Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9am on Cork's Red FM. Oh, listen, very seriously, um, what are we going to do uh, with the uh, safety of people, particularly women, as they go about their business? A 17-year-old girl jogging just outside Johnstown, County Kilkenny, in the middle of the day, only three weeks after the killing of Ashling Murphy and another manhunt on the way for a man who uh, attacked her and slashed her with some kind of a blade. Uh, don't know what the implement was, but it certainly was a blade. Could have been a scissors or a blade. And he just pounced upon her. And all of the papers talk of it today. The Sun's front page, manhunt after attack on jogger 17, slash attack on teen girl, student targeted weeks after Ashling's death. Now, she is being treated in hospital in Kilkenny. And, of course, uh, we wish her all the very best going forward with regards to those injuries. Teen girl fights off attacker. Apparently, she did fight him off. Uh, say that he was a man with a, an Irish accent, according to the papers today, near Johnstown, Kin- County Kilkenny. In broad daylight again, and she walking and jogging down a laneway. Papers also this morning talk of other stories that we've been dealing with on the air. Uh, one or two of them include the passport office. Now, there's all sorts of confusion. Yesterday, I was reading from newspapers that were saying that we have one passport machine in Cork and there was a need for a second so we checked this morning uh, with sources within the passport off. And I have to tell you, we don't have a printing machine in Cork. And I'll have another update on that in a few minutes' time. But according to the Echo today, the government should seriously consider installing a passport machine in Cork. Tommy Gould is quoted in this morning's Echo saying, there's over 2,500 people in Cork alone urgently waiting passports. And then the examiner in their story look at it nationally. And they say, and I mentioned this on the air last week and again yesterday, that before 2022 is out, 1.7 million applications are expected to be put through the passport office for Irish passports between now and the end of the year. 1.7 million. And you know how the Irish passport is so, so popular? One would have thought that it was the most popular passport in the world. Well, it's not. We are fifth. Well, with regards to the power of the passport, you know, countries you can get into without visas is one way that they judge it. And we're fifth in the scale in that regard. Apparently, Japan and Singapore passports are the top spot. They'll get you into more countries without any visas or messing. Right down at the bottom of the list is Afghanistan. That is such a sad country at the moment, poor Afghanistan. But we come in fifth. We're joined fifth, apparently, with the Portuguese Like we can get into 187 countries, but the Japanese and the Singaporeans, hope that's right, when you get into 187, they can get into 182. Uh, Talking of numbers and maths, of course, the Leaving Cert is front and centre because students who will be very unhappy about this, front page in the examiner this morning, the Leaving Cert is to return to its usual format. So students will have to sit the traditional leaving certificate. And isn't that what's wrong with the leaving certificate? It's too traditional and it's too old-fashioned and no longer suits the purpose. But students will sit that traditional exam. There'll be maybe a little bit more choice in the questioning, but it will be the traditional exam nonetheless. And of course, COVID, and a lot of that had to do with COVID. The Times UK this morning are saying, well, I suppose all of it had to do with COVID. The Times UK this morning are saying that, okay, a lot of um, uh, different restrictions are gone, but one of the ones that you'll probably have for many years to come uh, is um, masks on flights. So they're saying that that will continue and could remain policy for years to come. But they also, and you heard it in the news there, talk of the so-called champagne party within the Department of Foreign Affairs. It's a front page story making the Independent today. The headline is a toast, a tweet 
and a political storm. But what's got my nose out of joint here is that it wasn't champagne at all. Everybody's quoting the champagne. It was three bottles of sparkling wine that somebody had in a, in a, in a, in a government uh, office drawer. But former Secretary General uh, Niall Burgess has now agreed to make a €2,000 donation to charity. So it wasn't, Simon Sammacombe says, it was more of a spontaneous party as opposed to a planned one. And there's a big difference between the two. Of course, Boris Johnson, doesn't it look like he's going to survive this? Kind of does, doesn't it? So the police are investigating him. The um, report was released yesterday, Sue Gray's um, actual report into the different parties. And there were many. There were 12 parties in total, not all involving uh, the prime minister. But, of course, there was the Bring Your Own Booze Party. 100 people went to that. There was one or two gatherings then for parties for people who were leaving the job. There was his surprise 56th birthday party. There was this ABBA party allegedly held in his flat uh, during COVID restrictions when they were at their hardest. They had different quizzes. And, of course, also I'm told not just was there an ABBA party in the flat, but also there was also a secret Santa party. Um, and all of those were being investigated. And they all make this morning's papers time after time after time. He seems to survive and looks like he will this as well. Meanwhile, local governments are very important because we have a derelict site act. I don't know whether Cork City Council and Cork County Council would ever get around to fining themselves for their derelict sites and their closed homes that should be given out to the public. But the council is owed, county council is owed €308,000 in derelict charges. How much did they manage to actually recoup from the 308000 Well, I can tell you, €900. There's a lot of problems, they're saying, in the county council with trying to get the money and the fines paid. Firstly, they can't really seem to be able to identify who owns a lot of the sites, and then people can appeal it, uh, and that they have limited resources to fight it. So, um, it's kind of mortifying, that figure. Like, if if you're going to have a derelict sites act, and you're going to have fines, you can't bring the fines to fruition or get paid. I mean, could you imagine if the courts operated in that regard? Um, anyway, uh, John Bocaran's got hacked in his column this morning in the Mirror. He says he got robbed last week. They got into his bank account um, with his permission, unfortunately. And he's a smart cookie. But it just goes to show if John Bocaran's can get hacked, anybody can get hacked. €2,400. Uh, they um, said that his bank, had been, his, uh, his ATM account and his card had been compromised and somebody had used it to take €290 Euro out of his account at Manchester Airport. So he bought it, hook, line and sinker. And they sent him a bank code, uh, a text. And, uh, of course, it was actually the real bank sent him the text. But the scammers asked him to read out the PIN code, the actual text passcode. And he wrote, read it out to them and that gave them access then to his account and they cleaned him out. But there's a story in The Independent this morning of a woman who has been now awarded over £2 million in damages. Now, this was a woman who dedicated her entire life to her career. She remained single. She never had children and she worked really hard. She was never paid the same as her male colleagues within the uh, the bank that she worked with. I think it was the BNP Barry Pariba Bank. Um, and put up with an awful lot of bullying, harassment and mocking. Like, her name is Stacy, Stacy Mackin, and there was a term going around the office that people kept on using called, not now, Stacy, not now, Stacy. It became a joke. It was very upsetting for her. But what some of the other things that happened to her in the job included, one day when she arrived at work, there was a witch's hat on her desk. But anyway, that's just the upside of it. Um, she dedicated her life, was fairly un- badly treated, very unfairly treated, by our managers and staff and colleagues and she won over £2 million 
in um, discrimination conversation yesterday in the courts. And, you know, <clears throat> hurt comes in all sorts of different shapes and sizes, as people come in all sorts of different shapes and sizes. Nicola Collin, they might say Cockton up the country, I'm not sure, is an incredible actress. Now, I know uh, that she uh, did a lot of stuff with Derry Girls. It wasn't a show that I watched, but I certainly watched Bridgerton. And for me, she was the star and probably will be the star of the second season of Bridgerton as well. She's an incredible actress, but she gets fierce grief online and social media. People who feel they're entitled to comment on her body and her shape. And she says it's really hard to take the thousands of opinions that she has to put up with on how she looks. And she's literally gone on Instagram now begging people to stop. That's a story that makes the mail today. And things that should also stop is serving, for instance, stout. And the point being in the papers this morning, Guinness should only be served in a Guinness glass or in a stout glass. And there's many, many photographs. And apparently the British are the worst culprits of this. And apparently pubs in London. They will serve you pints of Guinness in any kind of a pint glass. And in the papers this morning, they give examples of pints of Guinness in a Coors glass, pints of Guinness in a Corona extra glass, pints of Guinness in a Peroni glass. You know what I'm saying? Um, Pints of Guinness without any head on them. Pints of Guinness with a two and three inch head on them. (laughs) It looks dreadful. Um, Pints of Guinness in plastic glasses. Well, there was a time when that's all you could get, I suppose. And then uh, papers also this morning talk. I didn't see it, but apparently there was a cringeworthy episode or at least the opening of the Late Late Show at the weekend where everybody stood up and sang Ireland's Call. And many people were mortified and scarlet. But the only reason I'm mentioning is there's uh, Kieran Cunningham has um, his column in this morning star where he identifies one guy who refused to stand up for Ireland's call at the Late Late Show. And Cunningham says, one brave refusenik refused to get up off his seat. If Ireland does ever get an honours system, that chap Deserves a knighthood. <laughs> the Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco and the Good Grub Initiative, helping to feed school children in need. Tesco, every little help. Ah, uh, yes, we've got to calls in a few minutes' time, so hang in there. But I just want to say well done. Congratulations to all of the Heffernans, to, of course, uh, Mam and Dad, Rob and Marion, and to their son, Cahill Heffernan, who is off to Milan. Huge news. They signed the dotted line last night. And he switches from Cork City to Milan uh, on Monday. Sorry, he did the deal yesterday. And initially, it's a kind of a loan. And if things work out, there'll be a permanent deal done in the summer. And I was reading in the papers this morning uh, that if he is made permanent at Milan, Cork City will have to be paid. And a five-figure sum to me is a million euro. So hopefully that will happen. And good luck to the six-foot tour. I don't know that his mum and dad are that tall, but he's a big lad, six foot two, so well done to him. Now, a couple of clarifications from yesterday's programme. So it's always important to go back and revisit stories. And one or two of them involved, of course, the passport office. Uh, and we were saying, or at least I was yesterday, because I read it in the paper, not the examiner, but one of the papers saying that uh, the passport office in Cork had a printing machine. It doesn't. Source within the passport office tells us the Cork passport office doesn't have a printing machine. The two machines are, you guessed it, in Dublin. Unfortunately, these machines are made to precise specifications and they require a clean, separate room all to themselves. Even if you ordered a printing machine for the Cork passport office, it would be a few years before it was delivered and it wouldn't fit 
in the Cork office. Uh, a new machine has not been ordered for Cork. It would require a new building to house the machine and the staff to use it. All these decisions are made in Dublin. If anyone walks past the passport office in the South Mall, you can see how small the public office and the staff space is. You can look through the front window and out the other side of the building. So no, there isn't a printing machine. There are two in Dublin. There's no plans to get a printing machine. Even if they did, it wouldn't fit in the current landscape of the Cork Passport Office. So that's an update on that one for you. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. And staying with passports from yesterday's programme, Lorraine. Hi, Neil. There I was suggesting you go into the Cork Passport Office and stand in the door. You went one better, I'm told. I know, I did. You went to Dublin instead. I did. I went to Dublin. Oh, it was a trek, but we got there myself and my dad. Why did you decide to go to Dublin? Talk. What happened after you hopped the phone with me? Right. So I went into the passport office and I stood at the door and the security man was there. And I just said, would you bring that over to one of the hatches, please? And I just ran. Thank you. Bye. (laughs) And I left. And I I stayed in the car and I was like, will I go? Will I run? Will I stay? What will I do? So we stayed for about a half an hour and then we left. And we we went home and I was just sitting waiting. I had Colin Kelleher ringing me. I had, oh my God, I had everyone ringing me. So eventually I got a phone call at 5 to 12 yesterday from a past van. I think he's inside the passport office and he helped me. He turned around and he said, look, I try my very best. Don't thank me yet. But I'll just do my very best for you. So, so the security down. guard okay. did hand it over. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. You got a call so saying, "I'll do my very best at midday." Yeah. Go on. Yeah. So Pat rang me and he turned around. And he said, "Look," he said, "Your additional information," he said, "would be, you know, something small, like you know, her, your maiden name or something like that." And I said, "Right, okay," but I said, "If it was only a renewal, you would have had that anyway." So he was like, yeah. Don't be making trouble now. Don't be making trouble. I know, I know. But I was like, right. But I got an email then after I was on the phone to him about the additional information that was needed. And at what stage did somebody say, it's in Dublin, come and get it? Right. So 20 past four, I got a phone call (laughs) to say that it's ready to be picked up after five o'clock over in... Um, Ivy House That's right. St. Stephen's Green <laughs> before 10 o'clock tonight if you come, can come and get it and myself and my dad ran and how, how did they get it across the line so fast I mean the sec- oh, well, clearly the security guard helped in this matter in fairness oh he did he yeah. did he got into the right hand then in Cork and um, yeah. it got expedited yeah yeah, it did. It got done and I went up and there was two security men inside the office last night and I was there for 8 o'clock, bang on 8 o'clock and I said, eh, passport for Book O'Keefe? And he was like, sorry, who? And I went, <gasps> and he was only joking. <laughs> <laughs> so we we were on a high, on a high. Oh my back. God. Now, this oh. passport is for the one and only Brooke uh, who will be travelling. Where's she going again? Ben, ben- Lanzarote. Medina? Where? Lanzarote. Lanzarote. Joins me by phone. Brooke, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Have you got it in your hand? No, it's on the table. <laughs> <laughs> don't, put, don't, don't let it out of your sight. <laughs> 
<laughs> what time is your flight? I'm pretty sure it's at quarter to one. Is it quarter to one, ma'am? Yep. Oh, my God. So, yeah. you, are you all packed up, Brooke? Yeah, we had to do it this morning. <laughs> of course, there was I no know. point packing yesterday because you didn't know whether you'd be going or not. <laughs> yeah, that's why we didn't pack it yesterday. You would have been the only one of 40 people, I think, going, um, not going to a birthday party. Wasn't that it? Yeah. And there was another one. Another one was left out. She didn't get her passport. She's a um, boy. She's a baby. She was left out. She couldn't get her passport. It went in since last September. How old is she? She couldn't. She's, she'd be one in May. I'm poor Miss but she won't know much about it, the poor Miss Fortune. Know, but it's, her mum her, her needs a break. Ah, uh, sure, I know. <laughs> but listen, Brooke, you must be delighted, are you? Because I'd say yesterday you were thinking you weren't going. Yeah, I was. I was devastated, like. Is this your first time going away? I mean, you're 11, so chances are you've been away before, have you? Pardon? Is this your first time going overseas or going on a sun holiday or anything like this? Um, no, it's not. Where have you been, been before? before? I've went to Lanzardi. Uh, no, not Lanzardi, sorry. Bella Medina. Do you like it? Yeah. Are you looking forward to the sunshine? Yeah. What are you going to do when you're over there? Chill. <laughs> Chill? <laughs> no, to the pool. <laughs> to the pool. <laughs> Hang out at the pool. Hang out at the pool. Listen, it's not a great phone line, but enjoy the trip. I'm so delighted you're traveling. Don't be late for the plane now, all right? I won't. <laughs> and do not forget your passport. Pick it up off the, off the kitchen table now. I know, yeah. I'll be going in there next. All right. Well done, Brooke. Delighted for you. Great story, Lorraine. I'm so happy it worked out in the end. Fair play to you for your, for your you perseverance. For sure. Yeah. You're welcome. Enjoy the trip. Bye, Brooke. Bye. Can I, can Bye. I just say thanks to Colm Kelleher? Michal Martin was in on it as well, apparently. So I want to thank everyone who absolutely helped me, helped us get this. Andreas Moynihan, everyone. They all helped us get this today. And ye and the people of Cork, I'm telling you now, you are absolutely brilliant. And the security guard at the passport. And the security guard. He's getting a pay raise. <laughs> oh, great stuff. Well done, Lorraine. Thank Thanks, you. Me. Delighted to work out. Thank Cheers. You. Bye. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Another bit of good news. Yesterday morning, we were talking about the spate of stolen motorbikes on Leaside. And one of them was Shane's motorbike. And I was chatting on the air with his mother, Deirdre. And the bike, beautiful bike uh, down in the Scarhard Road area. We saw some video footage from a CCTV camera of two characters trying to rob it. They must have gone back again a little later on and actually rob it, robbed it. But it was very upsetting because Shane saved very hard for this bike. And he um, put the money away. He got all sorts of tough jobs and he saved and saved and saved. Um, and he always wanted a motorbike and he got the one of his dreams. And then some couple of maggots went and stole it. Anyway, following my conversation with Deirdre, we got a call from one of you guys out there who spotted the bike. Deirdre joins me on the phone. Deirdre, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Thank you so much uh, uh, for no, taking no, the call. Not at all. Well, it, it wasn't far from home, or at least uh, it wasn't far from where it was stolen. Sure, it wasn't when it was found. No, not at all. It was uh, just in that dog park there. And I just want to thank the uh, listener that, uh, yeah. that texted in with, the, with, with where they Who saw spotted it. spotted you, yeah. It's, but it yeah, wasn't, w- wasn't in great shape, though, was it, Deirdre? No, unfortunately not. No, the seat was ripped off. The uh, battery was taken off. The side panels were battered. He has no fairing. Um, the did two they, locks that he had on were were gone. Everything is gone. <laughs> did they crash you it, know? do you think? Um, do you know what? I, I have no idea. I just thought, think that they might have... It, 
probably looks a bit crashed, but I think they just got great pleasure out of just destroying the bike. Okay, yeah. So, so drive it or ride it for as long as you want and then wreck it and leave it. Yeah. 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 Rip Absolutely. out the seat. That's, that's what it seems to me. Yeah. yeah. Rip out the battery, give it a good battering, yeah. tear the fairings out of it and walk away. Yeah, absolutely. And it was hidden under a tree in the in the park, you know. So, yeah, so... What kind of twisted what? minds operate like that? I just don't get it. Um, we have no idea, Neil, but we can't do anything about them. All we can do, I suppose, I is I uh, our own reaction. And, you know, I'm choosing to be grateful as opposed to be angry, really, because he has his bike back. Okay, well, you can be grateful and I'll be angry. How about that? <laughs> Fair deal. I think I went through my anger. But, uh, yeah, and I just want to say to the people, like, I think, I, I always say this, you know, bad things happen when good people do nothing. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, there was a lot of good people out there who actually took uh, care to look out for that bike yeah. and to help my child. And I will be forever grateful for your program and the people of Cork for really helping and getting behind us in this. And and I, so forgive me, you so, you're so welcome, but forgive me for asking, what was Shane's reaction when he saw the state of it? Um, he was obviously devastated to see his baby destroyed, but it could have been a lot worse. Okay, okay. Possibly. Yeah, well, okay. That's, that's, that's the look that I'm taking on Your glass half you know, full and Shane is probably as well. And as you said, he has his baby back. He has his bike back. He has. But we were, we're trying to say now, um, obviously he had to go straight to college yesterday and he was working last night and his to work so they didn't get a proper look at it they're getting a proper look at it today to see if actually it can be repaired so he put we're, we're so hopeful. much effort yeah. yeah he put so much effort into saving up and taking out a little loan and having the deposit and doing yeah. all the right thing so how can we how can we help now in the repair of this um oh my god i hadn't even thought of that neil i mean has, um, he, got, has he got any kind of a cost on it yet or could we oh maybe no, get we him? Have nothing on yeah. it at all yet. Um, have you a photograph of the before and the after? Have you got a photograph of the I bike have, now? Yeah, I, I actually I can send it to you there. I, I um, tagged you on my um, on my own Facebook page because I didn't know how to put one. I, I, I'm okay. an older woman. Don't worry so about I that. The lads, the lads will give me the two photographs at some stage. The before when it was perfect and the where it is now. And if we share that, I'm quite sure that there are bike bodybuilders or repairers who could be listening and might be able to oh maybe God, might be able to do us a deal or something oh my god that would be wonderful I hadn't even I'm actually almost going to cry here now because I hadn't even thought of that I was just so delighted well let, let's see what kind of work is involved in it first if people want to help us out because his story is very touching I mean, he's a hard working young fella did his yeah. leaving sir going to college held down jobs saved his money got himself a credit union loan got his bike his dream bike got all of his licenses did all of his tests and how long has he got it? he's only had it since I'm sorry I'm going to start crying here now because that's so kind of you um uh, he has only had it since September. Yeah, so he hasn't even got it six months, and now it's no, no. Uh, yeah, no. Let's let's get the costs on it. Let's see if there's a professional out there would like to help, and see if we can work something out to get it back pristine the way it was. Oh something, my goodness, some, that would be absolutely amazing. Something like that. Don't you think that would be good to see if we can make that work? Oh, that would be great, Neil. That would be okay. absolutely okay. wonderful. Okay. Let me get let me get the photographs. We'll share the photographs. I'm sure that Thank there you are. So much. I don't know whether it's a job for a bike mechanic or a, I don't know what kind of panel beaters do that kind of work. Or but there are people out there that work on bikes. So let's see what yeah. happens. All right, and we'll 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 you touch base so with you again. So kind. Thank you so much, Neil. I really really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you very very much. Let's see what happens in that regard. Be back in touch with the Deirdre, Okay. Okay, thank you so Cheers, much. I really appreciate care. it. Cheers, take care. All bye. the best. Bye, bye now. Bye-bye. Neil's got a new number. Call him now on 0818104106. Yeah, Neil's got a new number. <laughs> He's not very good with numbers himself. I was talking. 
I was talking earlier on about Cahill Heffernan going from Cork City to uh, AC Milan and I was saying that if, if this is a loan ahead of a permanent deal which hopefully will happen in the summer and I said that would result in a a five-figure sum for Cork City Football Club, which means they could get a million. Which, <laughs> of course, a million is a seven-figure sum. A five-figure sum would be maybe ten grand, twenty grand, up to maybe it would have been ninety grand, somewhere ninety-nine grand, maybe. So my apologies for that. <laughs> Somebody said to me, Neil isn't the best at maths, is he? Five-figure sum, one million. Oh my lord, says Mal. You're dead right. You caught me out there. Anyway, uh, staying with numbers and figures, but uh, this is more to do with, again, money. But it's a fine, apparently, for something that Greta has nothing at all uh, to be feel, feel guilty about. This is back... Um, when was it? Was it in the summer, Greta? Gretty? That's right. Neil, thank you for taking my call. So, have you it's got a... Did you, somebody, did you get a, a letter in the post with a fine or something? I got a letter for an on-the-spot fine uh, to pay 150 euro this put in with it a photograph of the bin where the black bags were tied. Uh, the cover wasn't on fully down. Um, there was no litter on the footpath, no litter on the street. It was out for collection. It is actually isn't my rubbish because I don't live up there in the city. I live in the country and the letter came to me in the country. But, ex- but explain to me, on the 10th of June, you put bins That's out right. for collection... <clears throat> In, in your yes. home where you live in the country? No, in the city. It, it's a rented house in Thank the city. You. you have a rent... Okay, so who put the bins out? The tenants. Okay. So they put the bin out um, for collection. Uh, yes. There was no litter. There wasn't no, 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 no. So they had the photographs to see it. You know, they even took photographs to council themselves. And why did they see. send you a €150 Euro fine? Because the, the lid wasn't down, the lid should be completely down. So, be, do I have a photograph of that? Did you send us a photograph of it? No, but I could. Yeah. Like, so, um, you got a €150 Euro fine because the yes. lid of the bin didn't close 100%. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Even though the black bags in the bin were tied, there was no litter on the footpath and no litter on the street and nothing unorthodox about it other than that. So how it could that be a fine? For, how could? But that's not even technically a fine for littering. That's a fine that, for the bin it. lid not now closing down. That's now you said it. Now if it was thrown around and crows and everything picking at it, I'd say so be it. But it, nothing at all. And what does the fine say? Um, under the Litter Act of whatever year, um, you're fined 150 euro. And you got X uh, amount of time to pay it, is it? To pay it. And then I appealed it. And I said, I don't live in in the city. I live in the country. Because sir, the, my, the, letter, the letter came to me in the country. They knew it wasn't my letter. Yeah, but they knew there was your house, I suppose. And you'll pay the property tax on it and things. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you appealed <coughs> it. And what happened with regards to the appeal? I told I told him uh, that it, it was a rented house. The bin was out. I'd had a letter from Country Clean confirming the payments were up to date and they were ongoing all the time, the payments, and they were collected on a weekly basis and there was nothing unorthodox about the whole thing. And they said um, there was about two months past then before I got a reply from the appeal and the summons came in. 
And I said, then I can still pay the 150 euro plus 50 euro uh, legal charges or else go into court and I'd be cut for their legal charges as well. They are so, they are so convincing that they're going to win the case. What are you going to do? I'm going into court. When is the court date? Have you got a date yet? On the 23rd of February. And where Eight is it? Eight months later. Is it, where is that? Is that down in, in Anglesey Street? Yeah, Anglesey Street. Yeah. Okay. Are you going to get a solicitor or are you going to go in yourself? No, sure. I mean, I have nothing to hide. I did nothing wrong. And you're... I can't carry the can for everyone. I'm not their babysitter. Whose babysitter? The tenants? I'm not those tenants' babysitter. But listen, I mean, in, in fairness to the tenants, they bagged all of their rubbish. Oh, they put it? everything in oh, the bin. You're being fined because you you're being fined because there's a gap between the lid and the body of the bin. That's right. Are you correct. serious? Uh, that's correct. Now you're dead on. So is there somebody driving around then with the camera taking photographs of the lids of people? There is. But should the judge will throw that out? Hopefully. And hopefully the judge will also give you. Well, I shouldn't say much about that when it comes before the courts because I don't want to in any way influence it. But I can't see a judge imposing a fine for something like that. Can you? No. No, it's different if the bags were all open and a litter in the footpath and litter in the street. There was a bit of paper there. <coughs> I wonder, do people know that you'll get a €150 euro fine if a litter warden spots your bin not 100% airtight closed? I mean, are they detached from reality, like? You'd wonder, wouldn't you? Like, I mean, where does it start and where does it finish? I mean, people have been through enough. It's a wonderful thing, actually, that you're even paying for your bins, in fairness. Never mind then being fined for the lid not fitting or closing. I know, And what's the big deal about a lid not closing 100%? I mean, how much air was there between the lid and the body? Was there an inch, two inches? We'd say about two inches. <coughs> 75 euro yeah. an inch then. Yeah, and even if they had pushed down the bag prop more, the, the lid would sit properly. Do you Have know? they anything better to be doing <coughs> with their time? They're owed 308,000 euro in the county council for derelict sites and they managed to collect 900. And they're coming after you then for 150 euro plus 50 plus their costs if they win in court. Yeah. And they are so convincing that they will win in court. And if they win in court, will you pay it then? I'll have to pay 100 euros uh, of their legal charges plus the 150 fine. So you would have to pay 250. And will you pay that? No, I won't. I'll sit inside in jail for a day or two days or two weeks or whatever they want to give me. Sure, it has nothing to do with me. I mean, you have to call the shots somewhere. No, what I mean, I know you say it has nothing to do with you, but even if it did, it's still wrong. It's still wrong, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you're standing your ground. I am, because please God, the judge will see the light of day. I mean, they can't even collect (coughs) fines for people who litter and fly tip, for God's sake. Never mind finding someone who actually has a rubbish collected by Country Clean because the bin didn't close 100%. I know, I know. I, I can't wait for the 23rd of February. I'll keep you posted. I'm going to put it in my diary or whatever it is that I use to remind me and make sure that I sure. know about that. 
Can I come back to you on the 23rd? And what day of the week is it? I think it's uh, I'm not 100% sure now, to be honest. Okay, okay. Well, let's yeah. find out. Be, uh, actually, it might be a bad idea to send somebody to court with you to see how that court case goes. Would you be all right with that? All right. I'd be delighted. Okay. All right, Gretty. We'll stay in touch. Thank you. See Thanks what happens. Much, Take Neil. care for Thank now. Thank you. You're very kind. Thank she you. She will not Thank pay you. the 150. She's a late fee now of another 50, which is 200. She's going to court. She says that if she loses, which I doubt she will, that she will not pay the 100 euro um, legal fees for the appearance of Cork City Council's solicitor. She will go to jail instead. What do you make of that, lads? Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. Oh, yeah. 104 to 106 Red FM. I just found myself all through the, you know the way you do, I found myself all through the ad break just muttering to myself, unbelievable, unbelievable. That's a Wednesday, right? The 23rd of February is a Wednesday at Anglish History. We'll keep a close eye on that one and see how that one goes. Talk about unbelievable. Great news on Lee's side. Great news for the Heffernan family. Cahill Heffernan has signed with AC Milan. It's just an awesome story and it's great for all the family and it's great for Cork and it's great for Cork City. Joined by his dad, Rob Heffernan. Rob, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Congratulations to all the family. I hear like any average 16-year-old, Cahill's in bed, is he? He is. He's shattered. I, I think he had a sensory overload from uh, all of the messages. He was poor oh fellow. Oh, my God. Last night. Like, you kept so yeah, that I, one very quiet for a long time. Did you just have to wait to sign the dotted line? Yeah, I, I think, like, just being through it the last few years, like, like just being away in trials and just how ruthless that world is that you could think you have, and then, then it's just, no, it's done. Oh, yeah. So we kind of said nothing, like you said nothing. We were in Germany for a couple of weeks. We went to Leverkusen for a few weeks. He was on trial there. He was called back. And he tested positive for COVID day one, so ended up isolating there for 10 days. So we were stuck there for two and a half weeks. Yeah. And then Milan came in and wanted to sign him. And it's been a crazy few weeks. How, and even how did all of that come about? Because I was reading this morning that Cahill was saying that he had to give a special thank you to Stephen Ireland. Just talk us through yeah. the process. Well, Stephen rang me um, two years ago. So obviously when Cahill started playing with Ireland, um, these opportunities opened up for young fellas and... And look, I, I'd never get caught up in all of the, the bells and whistles that, that comes with football anyway because you could get really carried away with it. Yeah. And Stephen rang me and introduced himself and and um, I thought it was mad because obviously, you know, you know the history of Stephen and he was like, I'd like to work with Cahill and it's like work with him uh, the psychology side and the yeah. performance side. And I was like, no, nah. I said, Stephen, we've recovered by... I said, you know, he's, he's grown up in an athletics house and there's no footballer who trains harder than athletes and Carl's been away in camps since he's a baby slept in altitude tents with me been up in the mountains with me so he's the, the athlete's life is a lot more miserable and harder than the footballers but, but I've seen an opportunity then because Stephen had a young fellow himself Carl's age he was a dad he was obviously after learning from mistakes that he made during his own career and he wanted to make amends for it and that's, that's what really kind of that is awesome yeah. and we, we became really really good we, we are now we're really good friends like Re- and he's a really good guy you know and he's opened up a lot of doors but uh, and yeah he, he, it's been great of course, he, he Ireland midfielder himself and Man City player. And uh, Cahill actually, doesn't he captain the Ireland under-17s? Yeah, he's captain the Irish 17s team and he, he's playing with the Irish 18 team as well. So, uh, yeah, it's been a brilliant, brilliant... Year. And how then did he come to the attention of Milan? 
Stephen, he'd have like he did all of that. A lot of the stuff is yeah. It's, it, it, like Stephen would be his agent, but he's not just an agent. Like Cahill, me and Marion two years ago, Cahill was still only fourteen, and Stephen said, "Sure, let him come over to me." And Mar was like, "Rob, we don't know him." Like I says, "Mar." Cal's nearly six foot. I says, Cal, if he tries to do anything, just stand he's up. He's six foot two. <laughs> be ready to throw a few slaps and run, you know. I says, Mar, he's, he'll be fine. He's, he'll be, and Cal went away and he stayed with him for 10 days and then um, he was, he, he had him training with like Darren Fletcher, all, all, he became five aside with all of these superstars, like, but for his kind of a, a development as a person, when he started going to these clubs, then the novelty was after wearing off and he was gone in to do the business. So yeah. it's, it's been great. The really hard work began, yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously a Milan scout boss spotted him or something like that, yeah? Um, I, Stephen would have contacts yeah. with scouts in Italy and then I suppose he, they, they'd see him. Then when he's playing international games, then yeah. they would get on to him. And like the international games, Neil, they, they'd go away and you, you could have 20 scouts at them and it's like a, football is like stocks and shares. And I like, know, they're on the sideline, they're yeah. watching, yeah, they're yeah. studying and the form. pure business. Like, and he, he started with Ringman Rangers, I believe, did he? He did. He started with Ringman and then, and then he went to Cork City. Billy Woods rang me and I was chatting to Billy and I said, I don't know, is he ready for Cork City yet? And uh, because Kyle was playing hurling, like he was, he was, he was actually a better hurler. And then <laughs> Billy was no Rob, give him a chance. Billy was brilliant. Billy got him in there. I just that environment it was Billy, Dan Murray. Then he got Liam Kearney was brilliant. David Moore was brilliant. He had brilliant coaches in Cork City, like that really helped him develop as well. Fair play. And then um, like there's loads involved, Neil. You know. Yeah, I was talking. I was chatting to Rory here this morning, and I was saying he's six foot two. He plays defence. I, I would because he's Rory said to me, "You're in the dark ages, pal. It's it's long gone since somebody six foot two would be up front. They're all big and they're all big <laughs> at the back." I was thinking of the yeah. Niall Quinn days, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Ah, uh, look, it's a, uh, it's yeah. Because you're not, you're not six foot two. No, I don't believe Marion no, is like, six foot two. Her, her side are big, all right. Like, like, and Marion's brother played centre back with Ireland. Her dad played centre back with Ireland <laughs> underage, and her mother had trials for the Irish team before. Mick kind of put the, uh, the stompers and that when they got married, and he said, "No, you're in the house now. I'm working. No more football for you." You know, so real old school back then. But yeah, there's a massive. <laughs> tradition in Mars family like but the apple doesn't fall far from the tree then sure doesn't I think it's his attitude Neil he's a really he's a good he's a good kid like and I, I think Italy will suit him in the sense like he's like Cahill wouldn't he, he just gets his job done he wouldn't be extroverted he wouldn't boast about it he wouldn't even tell you you know so I know yeah he'll, and go in and he, yeah. he'll just do his stuff and then he'll switch off and I think that's he loves Italy that way because the lads rock up the train and in Italy they're done up they have other interests, they're very social, and then training is training, and then afterwards it's done. You know, and I, I think that, that that side of the game is going to really suit him. So as explain well. to not, me, like, has he been to Milan yet? Is yeah, he going? He was what? in Milan, yeah, we were there um, last year. So we, he was on trials in Italy last year. He was in Milan, he was in Roma, he was in Atlanta, Parma. So we, we were over in Italy for a few weeks. It was great, actually. And then we told Marion we couldn't get a flight home until the Monday, and the two was sent off to Venice. And Venice is empty during the pandemic. <laughs> That's right. There was no one there. So oh. when is he? When will he actually travel and take up his place? I'd say tomorrow. So um, oh my school God. will be organised now today, and we'll just get all the, the, the logistics of everything today. And um, he, he'll be going straight in. Dave, he, he'll have a game at the weekend, and if he gets in in time tomorrow, he'll be on the squad tomorrow night. Like so, um, yeah, he'll be hitting the ground running. But uh, you know, I suppose uh, it is cutthroat, isn't it? I mean, he's got to perform, oh, doesn't he? I mean, you're, his you head's too. screwed on in that regard. 
But yeah, yeah. But you know what the easy thing about it is when you like, and we've been that way going away. It's like with, with anything. It's like going, Carl. If you go in and you give the best version of yourself and you don't get it, so what? You know, once you can walk away and say you've done everything, and like even when he was in Leverkusen last week, he played a game and he said that I, I actually did well and I felt really good this week and I've done everything. So if nothing comes out of it, nothing comes out of it. But I'm happy, and I said that's brilliant because you're still no one's the finished product in anything at 16. So no, I know that. Yeah, you always yeah. have to have a grow up mentality. Like and 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 if he decides giving a football in a year and he, it's not for him because professional sport isn't for everyone. And, and at least, you know, he's, he's had all of these opportunities and he's done so well. So I don't think you can look too far down the road. You just have to, you have to enjoy the journey as well. I think it's incredible because this is a, a loan, but are you expecting and hoping of a permanent deal in the summer then where he would sign permanently? And then, of course, you know, the world is his oyster if he performs then, isn't it? It, it will. And I think it will. I, th- I think the fact when he gets in there and I know I'm away and I, I know what he's been like, as a kid, he'll, he'll work and he'll put his head down and he doesn't get too high and too low and he'll get on with it. And I think um, the fact that he's going to be in that environment every single day, like the, the, one of the guys messaged him already, he, he trains with the first team there. He's a captain of the Swedish under-18 team and Kyle was showing me a picture of him the other day with Ibrahimovic and Kyle's going to be rooming with him when he goes over. Like So <laughs> imagine just being in that environment. And I know it from sport, your, your mentality... Your nor- the norms are just so much I know, like, I know, so yeah, yeah. Just, just knocking around with these people. After being trained with Paolo Mandi. Is he, is he got up? Yes. <laughs> so um, we'll, be expect- we'll be expecting in 12 months' time that when you go over to see him, he'll pick you up at the airport in a Ferrari, I suppose, will he? <laughs> I don't know, I, I keep him grounded. I say, if you lose your, if you lose your, your Cork accent or, you know, any of this, because you're gone, don't come back. You just mentioned Paolo Maldini there. He'll be overlooking him over, like, so his name was thrown into the mix last week and it was like, oh my God, you know. <laughs> Cork's really punching above its weight. We've got your son, of course, and the great success of Cuevie and Kelleher at Liverpool. It's fantastic. I have, we always, like you look back at the history of Cork sports people, me like, and I used to try to explain that to the Spanish when I was there. I go, we're like the Basque country in Ireland. Like I goes, you know, our, our sports people, Sanya, Marcus, yeah. Roy, Dennis, or we've, we've, you know, we've such a huge culture here. So I don't think... I think it's, it's it's normal for us, really, isn't it? Well, he's up now. He's probably looking for cornflakes or crunchy on cornflakes <laughs> or the fry up or something like that, is he? You're a bowl of cornflakes there, no? And we'll pack and we we'll get rid of him. He'll be back 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 down to earth with a with a bang tomorrow. Back to work. All right. Okay. Well, listen. Um, I let you get on. Um, you'll miss him when he's gone, but he's going to great I things. Will, yeah. will you be Will yeah. you be lonely yourself and Marion without him? I will. Like like we were only chatting there. Like I at one stage there, and Annie Dad being away at the games like like all of his games and his training sessions sure it's my social life nearly like you know yeah, we yeah. were saying one, one year there like I think he had 105 games between soccer hurling football playing up in age playing in schools and it's brilliant like you know it's it's so good but no yeah I'll have a massive wide in my life you so. should be very proud yeah. you should be very proud yourself and Marion and all the family and of course Ring Mahan and Cork City yeah, and yeah, Stephen yeah. Ireland and everybody was part of his journey isn't Absolutely. it true yeah yeah, yeah loads there's loads yeah, yeah. alright Rob good to catch up pal right, delighted bye for bye you bye cheers bye take care of yourself bye bye. Uh, we'll keep a close eye on Cahill Heffernan's move to AC Milan it's been confirmed it's been cleared and everything's good to go and he's expected to travel tomorrow. Good luck to him. Lines are open. You can pick up the phone on 0818 104 106. You can text 0868 104 106. And as always, email neil at uh, redfm.ie. Is anybody...
Just quickly, anybody doing Wordle? Hands up anybody here doing Wordle? I'm not, but it's taken the world by storm, this word game. Apparently, and I've been very careful about this because uh, you know me knowing numbers and stuff like that. The New York Times has just bought the word game, Wordle. And there's a lot of confusion now as to whether or not it's going to go behind a paywall or whether it's going to stay free. I think what they're suggesting at the New York Times is that for anybody that's already engaged in it, it will stay free. Um, But at some stage in the future, they probably will put it behind the paywall. But was I reading somewhere that this guy, Wardle, I think is his name, created the game Wardle for his girlfriend, just for her alone. And of course, we know now how phenomenally popular it is. And it's shot to fame. Everybody's playing. It's great for the mind. You know, isn't it like a word a day that you have to, you give an X amount of time to unravel or something like that. I'm only talking off the top of my head because I, I don't engage in Wordle, but I will be trying it out. Apparently, it's great to keep the mind sharp. But um, the New York Times have bought it now for what they call low seven figures. Now, seven figures. I'm definitely right now when I say seven figures is a million, isn't it? But how many million? Wordle. If you're not playing it, apparently, uh, get with the program. You and me both. 104 to 106. Red FM. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Uh, last week on my Instagram page, I was encouraging people to get in touch with me if you had started a new business or had struck out on your own because uh, I was reading some stats on the air last week with the amount of people who 20, 21, and indeed in 22, in spite of the pandemic, did open businesses. And I was keen to hear of the life changes that uh, people listening to this program did with regards to uh, setting out on their own career path or their own business. And I got a huge response to it on Instagram. So if you're not following me on Instagram, perhaps you might like to. And indeed, if you started a new business yourself, get onto my Instagram page. Um, don't, don't give me a Bible on it. Just a couple of paragraphs is fine. And I've put together an entire file of them. And I want to do some shout outs in this regard. Hopefully I'll get to start on those this morning. But uh, that's happening on my Instagram page if you'd like to get in touch. Now, everybody is entitled to a right or reply. That's one of the great things about this program. We give an opportunity to people to uh, discuss, you know, have an opinion. Sometimes it's heated. Sometimes it's passionate. Sometimes it's angry. It's all of those things. Um, but amongst other things, of course, we hope and endeavor to do as much good as we can. And last week, chatting about kids on the autistic spectrum in Ireland, and Dervilla started it actually from Crystal Swing with regards to her own beautiful son. It really opened the floodgates. One particular email came in from a regular listener, listener in Boston, USA, who listens to the show by podcast every day. Um, loves the program, wanted to engage and wanted to pick up on um, what was deemed as being an autism epidemic in Cork. Her words, not mine from the email, but Sharon heard that yesterday and uh, wanted an opportunity to get on air. Joins me by phone. Sharon, good morning. I, I'm not from Boston. No, I know that. I'm talking about the oh, emailer who sent it. You're, of course, from oh, Cork yes, and you're yes, the mother of four <laughs> and you're calling me from Castle yes. Lions. And two yes, of the yes. four kids are on the spectrum. Is that right? Yeah, okay. that's right. So yeah. the emailer and was saying... a diagnosis then from, for another one. Okay. So this emailer was saying, she said, the point I want to make is uh, almost since started listening to the show a couple of years ago, you have so many calls um, and so many children with autism not only autism, but profound non-verbal autism. And says in the email, it seems like every second person who calls your show has a child on the spectrum. What did you make of that? <laughs> what I really made of it, you don't want to hear, but <laughs> <laughs> I basically went online then yesterday and I looked up on their stats, okay, their facts. Um, here in Ireland, 
as in even Cork, we're only like a spot in Boston, mm. you know, mm. and like it is a Cork radio show, mm. so we are all local people ringing in. Yeah. So if you talk to anybody up the country, I'm sure they all have the same story. Um, but over in America, they have, it's still the same as here. One in every 48 kids have autism. Um, also 31% of that autistic range um, have intellectual disabilities with significant daily challenges. So mm-hmm. they will be the ones that would be severe, severe. autism. Okay. okay. You know? Okay. And these are the I American stats. Was, um, these yeah. are the Americans, yeah. Okay. Um, nearly half are wanderers and boaters, and 28% of eight year olds have their self injuries. Okay. Um, What I also have found is I just put in Boston and there was well over 100 services and schools that I counted for autism. Well done on that research, Sharon. Well done. You should be very proud of your research. Because this emailer says there are many families that have children with mental illnesses and other learning disabilities, but it seems like there's an epidemic of autism in Ireland, especially in Cork, and says that um, I'm part of a large group of parents who have children going to different schools in different areas, not just Boston, but New York and Philadelphia and the West Coast Coast. I have asked them all in the group, and it seems like nobody knows a family who has a child with autism. But that's because they have specialized schools. And I, these are what we need here. They don't have mainstream schools in America with units. I have a... She's trying to say that she doesn't know of any family who is a child with any type of autism that's going to a special school. Yeah, but did she actually look up special schools and ring their actual... Well, you've done the the research. I mean, it's clearly evident and prevalent in America. Absolutely. In spite of what the emailer is saying. Like an awful lot of research comes from America. I had thought that maybe have, it was just that we were better at diagnosing. You know? No, they are way better at diagnosing. They are now starting to diagnose babies. Yeah. And yeah. an awful lot of people were saying, oh, they can't diagnose babies. But I know myself, because as I said, my oldest, my oldest is actually 22, but she's grand. But my oldest boy on the spectrum, he's coming on eight. And since about six months, I noticed this with him. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose, you know, I suppose I maybe... Could, would, I used to be working as a carer, and when I'd come home from work, he'd point blank ignore me. And I used to be there, little, I won't say what, um, he'd ignore me because I was out, went off to work, yes, you know? Yes. But it wasn't that he was ignoring me off to work, it was just basically he didn't see me, you know? And then I was told maybe it's his hearing. So I got his hearing checked, I got the eyes checked, got everything checked. We got on to St. Joseph's in Charleville and we got on to the HSC through the public health nurse. Okay. Um, was on a waiting list for eight months, got down to St. Joseph's and was told I was sent to the wrong division. I was sent to the Limerick division instead of Cork. Now, by that psychologist, she was fantastic. She hooked me up basically with um, Professor Fitzgerald okay. and um, because I was going to be put back onto the waiting list to go on the Cork department and she told me then I'd only be seen by someone like her to be told I'd be waiting for another two years. Yeah, I know. You see all of the battles and you know? the trials you have to go yeah. through and the back and forth. So you have four children. Um, I have four kids. Two are diagnosed. They're diagnosed and uh, one is awaiting. But the reason why I'm waiting for himself is he's totally different to the other two. Um, I personally think it could be ADHD or ODD. And has anybody told you why you would have four children, three of which would be spectrum? No, but I know myself that there is other signs of kids in 
other families relate to us. Okay. Okay. You know. Okay. And so did you did you read something genetic, America definitely. when you were genetic? Yeah. Were you did you read something online where it said something along the lines of parents do not and cannot cause yeah. autism? Is, yes, what's that yes. about? Because an awful lot back years ago, um, people were saying that all oh, the parents are causing it because they're too harsh or that they're too cold or that they'd done something during their pregnancy. None of this is true. Yeah. It's genetic or yeah. I think an awful lot of it is pointing to genetic, yes, you know? Yes, yes, so, and and like it, I, I mean, I'm not suggesting that there should be or anything, but you know, with regards to Downs, there can be tests at pregnancy. There is, yeah, you can get genetic testing done. Do people do that? Not necessarily. Some people do. I'm actually in the process of getting it done. Why? Because my son is actually the older fella. He's a big young fella. He's only going on eight, but you take him as an 11 or 12 year old. And he's actually starting early onset, onset puberty. Yes. So I'm going to have to get genetic testing and bone aging and all this done on him. Yes. Why? Because when they start early puberty at seven or eight, it'll stunt their growth as they get older. Mm, mm. It's not good for them to go into the well, early I suppose what puberty. I know, yeah, what I was curious about was if there was um, some sort of a test, would would parents take the test and then decide not to proceed with them? Um, I'm just curious, like as happens in uh, Scandinavian countries with Downs, for yeah. instance. Oh, you mean while they're pregnant? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I wouldn't say, I don't know. Yeah. yeah I'm just wondering. More likely, some people probably would, everybody to their own. Yes. You know, that kind no, of I approach. was wondering whether there was a test. No, there's no test okay. like that. It's afterwards. Gotcha. It's a genetic I testing gotcha. afterwards. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Okay, so whoever sent the email, clearly they yeah. don't have their facts nor their stats because you do. Well, I wouldn't say I do, but well. that's what I looked up yesterday very, very fast. And like that is what we're in need of here. And that's why there's so much of us talking out now is because like there isn't anything there. As every other caller has been saying, as if we had all those specialized schools, a lot of people wouldn't see our kids in services. the mainstream either. Yes, 100 services know? in Boston alone. Okay, yeah. all right. And like the, Thank you. Thanks, you know, the, Like one thing I just wanted to say was um, about the parents themselves. Oh, sorry, about preschoolers. Um, I talked to a pre- preschool teacher before and she told me they basically just barely touch on special needs from here or first defence, you could say, of finding these. And she was actually shocked because of my little girl, my little girl masks and mimics and twirls. She never knew that they were signs. So you're, you're saying there should be more preschool training in this regard? There should be more the preschool training. Okay. Um, they teach about the basic hand flapping, eye contact, you know, these kind of things. But there are but more they don't signs. teach about anything like um, lining, or they say lining up, but they also sort. They can play, but they don't play as such. They're playing alongside. There's so many subtle signs yes, yes. that they don't be shown. Yes. And then as well as that, um, about parents themselves, what I found is, from being myself, um, we don't talk about stuff about how hard it is for us ourselves. We feel like we're being selfish um, if we say anything. Like, basically, I'm on antidepressants, and how I came about that was because I was going in for a routine checkup and I started breaking down, crying inside. You're worn out? Um, a worn out. Yeah. And it's because there's a constant fight. It's fighting here at home. I have three here. There is all of that fighting, but there's also the worry as well about your children as they grow up and you grow older. There's a load of different emotional issues. 
Yeah, it is. It's but it's a constant fight. Like they fight here at home. If they're not fighting with each other, they're fighting with dogs. Oh, I see what you mean. If they're not, you know, it's always fighting here. Um, and you give out and you give punishments, and it's water off the duck's back. Um, but as well as that, you're then fighting for schools. You're fighting for paperwork. You're fighting for well, not fighting for paperwork, but anything that you it's need, like yeah. services. Yeah. You have so much paperwork. There's three or four pages of paperwork that you have to fill out before you get any advice. And like one question, just for example, for the viewers of what they actually ask you in this paperwork, um, they try to get the describing your child the hardest way possible, okay? So one question that really got me, and this was from my last boy, um, it says, what is it? Uh, I'm just trying to find it here. It's um, describe, um, describe when you were happiest with your child, okay? And I actually couldn't. I had to put away the paperwork for about three days because I couldn't answer it. Because right then, he was going through an awful stage of being extremely violent, and I couldn't even name one happy time that I had because everything was so hard. That's that sad. Time. That's so sad. You know, that I couldn't you even should pick be, one thing. You should thing. have loads yeah. of memories of happiness. I should, yeah, but mm. right then and there, now I do now, do yeah, you know? No. But mm. right then and there, filling out paperwork, I could not pinpoint one happy time. Like, he, he was in school and he held, this is how I broke down with my nurse, he held a child up by the throat and he's only four. Yeah. You when, know? When he was only four, is it? He's only four now, yeah. yeah. So he oh, was actually younger. only three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is the fellow that I'm waiting on the diagnosis for. You know, so I know, I know. The parents are broken. You want eyes in the back strong. of your head, wouldn't you? you? You do, yeah, but we look like we're strong and we look like we're getting on with it, but we're actually, a long awful lot of us are broken, mm. an awful lot of us are in antidepressants, and it's because we're fighting con- continuously for our kids. You know, it's either fighting at home, fighting the government, fighting schools, fighting the doctors, even. Mm. To get a diagnosis, when you see something first wrong with your child, you're going into the doctor and he's saying to you, give him time, give him time, give him time. And you're there, early intervention, early intervention. And you know and best, just of course. Yeah, you know, you know best, yeah. Okay. So it's, it's constant. All right. Okay, constant Sharon, advice. feel free to stay in touch, all right? Thank you for taking the <laughs> all call. Right, thanks, all the best you. to you. all as it is, I know. Cheers. Um, John, just before the break. John, good morning. Neil, how are you getting on? Ah, it's very upsetting when somebody speaks from the heart like that. What's on your mind? It's very rough. It's very rough. And my problem there is um, you've got all these parents coming on, like with these kids who are genuinely autistic. I have no no doubt whatsoever about it. I think the problem with the system is we have a lot of kids in the system, Neil, that simply are maybe just have a little bit of a learning difficulty. They're getting a label of autism. It's very convenient for parents to go and, and get. It's not <laughs> Why would it be convenient? Much. Because it's it's not alone that. So if you have one child in the family with, with, with mild autism and you have two or three kids, it's very, very easy to get the other two diagnosed also as being mildly autistic. Hard to blame the schools with the units. Hard to blame the... But why would a parent want to do... But explain to me why a parent would want to do that. Uh, 200 euros a week per child, irregardless of circumstances. 200 euros a week what? Payment per child. Is that carers or something? Irregardless of your circumstances. Even if you're working, you still get it. 
What's that payment called? Is it called a carer's allowance? I haven't a clue, Neil. I don't know. I just do know that it is there, to be honest with you. Um, I know I know of several, several families, uh, myself personally, where they're claiming this payment. Um, they're getting it. And basically they is it a domiciliary care allowance? I think it might be. No, um, I, the reason I'm asking is I will have to I'm find not, out. I will have to find out I, what you're... Yeah, I don't know the full detail of the payment, to be honest with you. I do know it's there. A lot of these parents will turn around in a heartbeat and say, well, do you know what? We got the opportunity to do it, so why not do it? And it's clogging up the Seriously, But do you know of people who have done that? Yes. And they have admitted to it? Yes. As an extra Absolutely. revenue stream for the family? Oh, yeah. Big time. Big time? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the only reason that they would um, go for and, and but how how could you convince you can't convince medics to diagnose somebody unless they literally are mildly on the spectrum, moderately on the spectrum, or severely on the spectrum. Unfortunately, it seems to be very easy to get done in Cork. And how do you know that? Because it's. As, as again, that is what's happening on the ground as regards what's happening around the place. I couldn't blame units and schools for taking the easy cases. and They're going to do that. They don't want the difficult cases where they're, where, where they're tied, where they have two or three employees tied up with one, with one child. Okay, okay. It, 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 it's a bad system. We need to have a cut-off point where we say, okay, that's the level of autism that you have it's scaled I mean why not scale it that's the level of autism that the child has okay they need a little bit of extra help but they don't need to be in a unit you know they don't need to be getting no, but, 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 you, but like one thing that I have learned is that parents with children who th- believe that they would thrive in a mainstream school on the spectrum want them in a mainstream school as a first choice I agree with you absolutely but that said, it, 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 it is a case of there's an awful lot of lesser cases clogging up the whole system for the more severe cases. Okay, so there, there are, the there are a por- you believe that there are a portion of people out there who go after a diagnosis for mild ADD, ADHD, autistic spectrum issues, bipolar yes. issues to get money? There's a certain amount of it out there, yeah. Definitely, without a shadow of a doubt, there is, and it is clogging up the system because it, it's it's a very easy thing to do. I can't see how it could be easy. Well, it's you just get your child diagnosed. That's it. You can pay to get your child diagnosed, can't you? Yeah, but there's not there, there's, there aren't private clinics out there misdiagnosing children with autism. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, look, it, it, it's happening, Neil. That's all I can say to you. I, I don't know any more than that. I just said I'd bring it out there and put it out there. Oh, well, I'd love to hear uh, some more about that if it's true, because, um, you know, I, I, I mean, you're always going to get chances in life and people seeing what they can get. But I, I, wouldn't, well, have, no, I wouldn't have included this as being, um, you know, fraudulent activity. But you're, you, you seem to think differently. Hold on, hold on there, though. Paula. Hi, Neil. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. So to summarize... John says there should be a cutoff period for kids with autism. Parents are using it for extra revenue streams. Kids might suffer mildly and it clogs up the entire system for those who are severe. There are some of the points he was making. So, does this gentleman have experience firsthand with children who are on the, on the spectrum? No, but he's, t- he's talking of 
case histories of examples that he knows of of parents who have got mild diagnosis just for money. Is, okay. is, is, that, so is there any truth from, in that? From experience um, and dealing with children on the spectrum, and I have first-hand experience, it is not very easy to get a diagnosis. So I know from experience and personal experience of waiting three years for support and for a diagnosis, Yes, you can go private, which families have done, and I've experienced of that. And it's not you go in and you get a diagnosis that day. The child is taken in. There's a multidisciplinary team. So that's a team of three plus people who observe not on one day, not on two days, not on just in one location, but in the home, in the school, in the preschool, um, in different settings to see how that child is developing. So there's no fast also, track to a diagnosis, no, you're saying. It can take no a long ab- time. Even in the private care no where you're paying yourself. Even in still- the private care, okay. yeah. And it, could, it, you, it, could you explain to me then, in the event then of a diagnosis, is there a domiciliary mm-hmm. care allowance then per child? So in the event of a diagnosis, when a family, and it affects not alone the child, but affects the family, okay, when, once you get your head around that, and it takes a while to do that, because you're mourning the life that you expect for your child to have, okay? But your child is still your child at the end of the day, and they're no different than before the diagnosis and after diagnosis, okay? But mm-hmm. you're just on a different path. I hear you. Okay? Yeah. Once the family gets their head around that, then you go on a waiting list for treat for therapies. So there's OT therapy, there's speech therapy, there's play therapy and so forth. So there's a lot of different therapies. Speech and language, yeah. If you're in a position where you're fortunate enough that you can stay private, at times the waiting list can be long as well, okay? Because there's such a waiting list publicly. Yes, and we've heard a lot of those stories, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and to help families to be able to go private, there is an allowance called a domiciliary care allowance, which gives you a monthly amount to help you pay for that therapy, but it does not cover the whole price of that therapy. Okay, okay. But you, you, okay. you get the domiciliary allowance whether you take the therapy, therapy or not? Yes. But no, I, I'm just trying to be clear. And is that 200? He's saying it's 200 a week. Is that right? It's it's in and around three hundred a month, a not month. a week. Okay, three hundred a month. Okay, yeah. so the majority of private care out there for OT, for speech therapy, for play therapy can range from anything from eighty euros upwards okay. for forty. Okay, okay. So you're some, so straight away, John, your sums are wrong. Okay. Now, looking, with that, yeah. there is there. I I'm going to be honest. I don't know of any family that has. A child on the spectrum, it's not just autism, it could, could be autism, it could be ODD, it could be OCD, it could be dyspraxia, it could be dyscalculia. There's a lot of items on that spectrum. As a, as a spectrum is, it is along the spectrum, okay? And I don't know any family that would use that money for anything else but well, would somebody help perhaps, and support Would somebody perhaps try it on for mild ADD? No. It's, it's not... A, ch- a child can't put that on, okay? Mm, mm. And I've listened to your show and I've texted into your show and in fairness to Dervla, um, you also had um, Nicole on um, last year speaking many. as well, okay? And a lot of children can mask it. So it's so hard to diagnose. 
So masking is where a child will mask it while they're at school or we'll say in a group setting. But when they come home, then they've got so okay. much sensory overload that they will spill out. At okay, home. okay. Ho- hold on there. J- Susan, jump in there. Hi, Neil. Yeah, I am um, like, I've been wanting to email you for. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, you can come back in a second, yeah, Susan. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I was just talking more or less about uh, two or three kids claiming that money. If 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 it just to clear that up, but I'm just saying. Oh, I, sorry. Two, yeah, I thought you made the you were giving me the impression you said two hundred a week per child. You're not saying that. No, I was giving that over um, two or three kids. That'll be whatever six 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 okay. hundred. Uh, okay. Okay. And, and you, you categorically know, say you know of cases of this. That's what you're saying. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Because Paul is saying it's impossible to. to do that, even privately. The the checks and balances and treatments and observations are extensive. Yeah, it's debatable. Look, if you're dealing with it in your own situation, I suppose it's, 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 you want to see the one side of the picture. And I, I, I don't dispute that okay. whatsoever. All right. But, Susan, but, did you want to jump have, in there? I, have, Neil, I do have to go. Okay. All right. Let you go. Thanks for holding as long as you did. I'll continue the conversation without you. Susan, good morning. That, that man is talking out through his backside completely. Oh, my God. I've been wanting to email for days. I have two children. I have one on the spectrum and one with a physical disability. Like, I'm, I'm only entitled to the 200 and, I think, 20 euro a week. My daughter's physio is 80 euro per session. Speech and language is 70 to 80 euro a session for any of the two children. I can't afford to do the therapies for my two children, never mind anything else. Okay. I'm not entitled to extra money at all. Do you know of anybody? Do you know of anybody that's fiddling the diagnosis system? There's absolutely not. Like I have a lot of friends with different children with different needs. There is no way. Not one of the children are the same in any category. There's that like autism is so wide. So the the spectrum is so big. My son is pre-verbal. He. He can talk. He has a few words. No, he so does listen, Louise, I know what you're saying, and I feel awful for the, the you know the cross it, that he has to carry. It is such a hard thing to deal with. Um, it, it it is just it's such a frustrating. I feel so alone all the time. I am on my own. I have like I'm a we're a family of five. My husband works full time. He's twenty four seven. He's self employed. There's absolutely nothing. I'm on my own. Why and would I get no it? I know, and I no understand support. your, I understand your scenario one hundred percent. But then, why would I get another text saying here can't come on? But John is right. I know a girl who got her two kids diagnosed as on the spectrum, so she could claim carers' benefit and free travel. You may not know it, but it's going on wholesale. There's not a hope. Like, why would you want to label your child? Why money? No way! It's it's not it's not worth it. Absolutely not worth it. Like my daughter has multiple disabilities, and I I tried for years to get her uh, diagnosed with an intellectual disability in the form I thought she had dyslexia. It would be impossible school, to do what you're saying. Her school would not help me. I finally got her into a special school this year. They finally, because of COVID, they got to see how far behind she was. She's yeah. five years behind yeah. her age group. Yeah. You know, and I was asked, why do I want to give her another label? I don't want to give her another label. I want to get the help she needs. My children deserve the help they need. And this country won't allow it. Yeah, I know. In any, any form. Yeah. Physical, and they're the stories I've been hearing over and over everything. again. Yeah, over and over again. 
But uh, there was some criticism last week of Ireland labelling everybody. Everyone gets a label. Everybody's put in a box. There's a diagnosis if, for everybody that wants label, one. If we can label, if we can help them, labelling is helping them because then we know where to go. If we are yeah. sitting in the shadows and we don't know what to do, how can we help them? And with labelling, parents aren't labelling their children. Parents in this situation are trying to provide the best yes. possible care and the best possible life for their children. And it's it's actually, in my opinion, society will label them as being different. Society mm. will look at them and say, oh, you know, this particular child doesn't speak, this particular child stems, this particular child has, you know, threats, this particular child, so forth, so forth. So parents are trying to help their child to fit into the box. That so there's nobody, there's nobody diagnosing a child with mild ADD on the basis that there's a domiciliary carer's payment in that? Well, Neil, to, to get a diagnosis, you have to go to a monthly disciplinary team. No, privately, even. Uh, privately, you still you still have oh, to have no, a monthly discipline. I know that, and listen, I'm 100%, from one person. I'm 100% listening to, to what you're saying, but I'm just, just probing as to why people like John would say it, and there's other texts here now, and it doesn't take from any genuine story or, you know... Um, and even getting the diagnosis, you're not getting the support, okay. you're not getting the help. Yes, and we've seen that certainly in the last week, time after time after time. Katrina? Hi, Neil, how are you? Are you angry? I am, I won't even describe on air how I feel this morning. I spoke to you last week about personal things that I have actually told no one about not accepting my son's diagnosis. I spoke to you about a few of us here in Castellines um, setting up a group for parents and oh, children. that's the Dean and Padraig group. Then. Yeah, it is Friends of Dean and Padraig. And you know what? I would like to invite John down here to my house and live here for 24 hours and he can tell me if he feels that we're frauding the system. No, I not you. Not, not, not Katrina. No, I know. Not I'm Louise. Just being... Not Susan. No, yes. no, not, not, not you. I understand that, but he came online and said he knows of people who are getting money to label children with special needs. Now, I don't know if people are doing that or not. I think you can hear this morning from the, from the volume of calls that you are getting that that is not the case. As I said with my two sons here, yes, I went private. But you have, like, you don't go into these places lightly. We fill up forms of our, our children. And as Sharon said previously there, these are hard forms to fill. Oh, these I know. Are forms. And I understand. And, he, and I just feel what he came on and said this morning. Like, yes, people do fraud the system. Yes, there is people the, out there who can so do it and get away with it. Unfortunately, you see, he, he, while he's not making the point, others might say, there's fraud um, engaged you know, in quite, quite, quite exactly. regularly when it comes to disability payments. You know what I mean? Well, okay, Neil, in my own situation here, okay, um, carers benefit or carers allowance is means tested. So you might have a child with a profound disability that you cannot go out and work, but just because your partner or husband or anyone else they might be getting test. a little bit of wage over it, yeah. you're not entitled to get it. It's now, cruel. I know this is a fight going on. I'm not entitled to get it. I'm actually working two days. I'm getting a carers benefit just for two years that because I've worked, I've built up my stamps to do it and 
I get 225 euros a week. I can only get it for two years and I'm still working. Yes, yes. So yes. I am not entitled to carers to stay here with my children full time and give them the care that the government isn't giving us. We are their speech therapists. We are their OTs. We are everything that they need. Yes, okay. So for him to come on, I'm not entitled to carers. I will never get it. Yes, I get domiciliary care allowance which everybody's entitled to, whether you're a doctor, but, whether but, you're... But what we want to know is that are we sure it's genuine cases that are getting it? Well, I know for me, I can speak on my own personal case loaders. and the many parents yeah, I know in that. our group, I know. if he would like to come down and see our children, he can tell us whether he thinks we're following the okay, system or just, not. Just, and I'd just like to leave it at that. Okay, all right, Katrina, yeah. thank you. Jessica, thank you, hold on if you wish. Jessica's here now, okay. Jessica. Yeah, go ahead, Jessica. Hi. So, I was just getting... Yeah. I was listening and they said that there's not people out there and they're just doing it for the money. Well, I beg to differ. I think there is. Because I'm in a situation that I'm waiting 96 months for my son to be assessed and I have, I've actually personally seen people get fast-tracked and their kids assessed for the smallest thing like this, and they're getting their money. The, and like, there the, I have to the smallest everything. thing is what? Like, What would the smallest thing be? Like they could go because, well, not in a small, really, because our kids need a lot of help. Yeah. How do I explain? Um, so, right, you be, my son has been checked for autism at the moment. Yeah. And I know, I know personal cases that have gone and been assessed for dyspraxia or, you know, something like that. Yeah. And within a matter of a month, they're done, sorted, finished, got their payments. The payment being uh, a domiciliary carer. Whatever they get, domiciliary carers, you know. And I have experienced two or three that would just do it for money. Like, come on, there is people out there that do it for but that. How, but, how, but how can they? How, how can they get a diagnosis that's fake? You don't get a diagnosis that's right. How do I explain there was a thing that you take your kids private and you would go and see somebody and they give you a diagnosis that day. So for dyspraxia, that would be what? Uh, for uh, anything, for anything. People used to travel to, I don't know, have part to the country it was for, and the HSE at the end wouldn't accept the diagnoses. Okay, because they were getting diagnoses that weren't accurate, is it? So you, were, but you, so were you, done within a day. So what you're saying to me is you know of cases where people have been fast-tracked and you know of others who got uh, a diagnosis and their only motivation was money. Yeah, but that's, that's the way it is out there and people that need it then are, are stuck there waiting and... And why then is your... Why then have you... Um, your son now is 11. My is son that, now is 11. And you still haven't had a diagnosis? I, and I'm fighting tooth and nail since he's four, and I've come. They've come at me with so many excuses that they lost his file. And my son is—he's such a lovable child. But you've never actually spoken can't. to somebody who said they got a diagnosis for money, have you? Oh no, no one would ever tell you that. Okay, okay. okay. No one will ever come out and tell you that they done it just for the money. Okay, okay, okay. But, thank you, Susan. It, thank it you. Has been on your show. Like it has been on your show, I think about two years ago, how people were travelling up and they were getting diagnosed within a day. But that's not right. A child needs to be seen and seen properly and assessed. 
and in some people's cases that wasn't the case okay it was too fast and fast tracked as well thank you all thank you Jessica Katrina Louise and Susan back after the break call the Neil Prenderville show now on the new number 0818-104-106 and you can text 0868-104-106 just some texts on this and this is not in any way shape or form to take from people who are struggling and are trying to do best by their children but there are texts nonetheless working can come on air John is so right it is happening big time in Cork there's also 1000 euro holiday grant per child Come on, every second child now has a label. Uh, Please don't give out any of my details, but I work in the youth area and John is right. Unfortunately, there are parents who do what John is saying. I have witnessed it in person. That shouldn't, of course, take from the struggles of genuine people with children who need help. But there seems to be an amount of text saying that everything is open to exploitation. Donald is standing by. Maria as well. First up, Louise, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Okay, well, I'm, I'm here in the middle. Neil, um, I'm raging. Yeah, I, I am raging. Yeah. I've listened to your show the last couple of weeks uh, when autism was highlighted on the radio. Yeah. And, and my son was diagnosed with autism last year. He's but seven. You, I know, but maybe it's the... Pe- right? If, if, there is, if there is abuse of the system, maybe it's those people that you should be angry with, the ones that abuse the system. But you know way- what? I, I, I don't know why anybody... And, to prove that you have autism, you must speak to a psychologist. Ours was done during lockdown. I spoke to a psychologist on a Zoom call for an hour and a half. But of course you did, we, because you're genuine. Right? You're 100% exactly. genuine. We brought him to Charleville to see, um, to see the occupational therapist, and she actually knew it when she met him. She stopped the appointment after half an hour, and it normally takes an hour and a half, right? Yeah. For that man to come on the radio and speak like that about our children. Right, that where, but that he's not. You see, that's the that's the biggest yeah, thing. Yeah, but he's about on about the con artists, right? Yeah. I don't know how anybody would get a false diagnosis of autism. We brought him privately to see, um, to go to a clinic on the south side two years ago, and he was diagnosed with sensory processing disorder. That appointment took two and a half hours, and I I had to pay privately for it because I knew there was something wrong, and he. The appointment, sorry, I'm actually losing my train of thought now. Is that, is, is that a diagnosis like paid. dyspraxia, is it? No, he no. was diagnosed with sensory processing first. Okay. And then we were on the HSC waiting list for an assessment of need since he was five. And finally, the HSC, to cut some sort of the waiting list, um, paid private um, psychologists and occupational therapists in some scheme that was done during COVID. But what if there are the some course. psychiatrists or occupational therapists who are I can't see diagnosing. how, Neil, I can't see how they would. I genuinely cannot see how anybody would get a false diagnosis of autism. There's no way. It's too wide-ranging. It's too varying per child. He has dyspraxia, sensory processing disorder, and autism. So there's no way you cannot, in my opinion, get a false diagnosis for autism. Mm. There's no way. Mm. Now, as much as I'm aware of frauding the state and all of this, okay, fair enough, he has his summer money, but it's spent on him. We bring him to Trabolgan, we bring him to breaks, he needs to get out. We cannot I be know, in home Neil. I know that I'm rearing yeah, my husband my husband works full time. I have no family near. 
my husband's family is in Dublin, so technically I do this on my own. Do you know? Yeah. Like your and friends your friends won't take over we'll say babysitting to leave a growth for an hour. Anything I have to do or any hospital appointments they I wouldn't have, be skilled to step up, you're saying, yeah. Not a hope, Neil, not a hope. Not a hope. No, no. Um no, and plus that, whatever about the skill, like people don't actually offer any help either. You know? They're my, probably my afraid. They, with the best will in the world, they probably think... Um, they probably are. I don't know the reason why. No, um, I actually fell out with a They probably almost might think that you would say no. I wouldn't say no, trust me. I wouldn't say no. Well, personally speaking, I don't go anywhere without him anyway. And I have hospital appointments, I have physio appointments. But do you ask, I have for, do, but do you ask for help? Do you ever ask someone? I wouldn't ask anybody, Neil. No, I wouldn't ask anybody. No, for because Ronan wouldn't stay with anybody anyway. Yeah. He, he, he'll stay with me and his dad. And when I have hospital appointments myself, my husband's off on a Friday and I would have to make them for a Friday. And of when course, this off. is this is not about your journey or your challenges or your son's no, challenges. No, it, no, it, it, John is talking about, about everything is about Ronan. No, John is talking. You know how you hear of people who are who are getting disability payments? And there's nothing wrong with them. Others are on the dole, and there's a proportion on the dole who never ever want to work. Well, look, you know, you're always going to have these dudes you know, telling stories, aren't you? On me back, but you know what? Yes, no, Neil, you can't fake autism. You can't. You have to live with autism to know about about it. Okay. Okay. Do you, you mind can't if, pretend. Yeah. Do you mind if I just let Maria jump in here? You can hold on if you want. Do Maria, course, good morning. Yeah. Do I will. Feel, feel free to jump back in in a minute. Maria, can you hear me all right? I will. Hi, yeah. Yeah, I can hear you. No problem. Okay. Neil, I think what the lads are saying there is absolute madness. And again, just echoing, you can't fake autism. Nobody knows the actual care no. and attention that goes into your child with additional needs when they're at home, when they're at school making appointments in the whole kit and boodle. And carer's allowance in itself is actually traumatic to apply for. Do you know, like you literally have to sit down and acknowledge how hard your life can be why from would, a day-to-day Yeah, I know, I sure I know. But, and I've heard story after story. Of it, but why would people be texting and one or two here, um, again now another few are coming in saying that they know of case histories of people who are ripping off the state with um, with dis- with disability disorder diagnoses. Prime example, Neil. Do they live in the house? No. Do they know what goes on day to day? Do they know the amount of preparation that they need the house? Yeah, they, they might see a child that looks absolutely fine, but no issues That's whatsoever. Like I have a little girl. I mean, like she. Do you know what drives me crazy? Yeah. When people turn around and say, "Oh God, he doesn't look it." How do you look at that? Exactly what I was just going to say. Is yeah, but you can't tell by you can't tell by looking. I've seen Dervilus son. No. That's you know? it. But like that's exactly it. Like Amelia, she's verbal. She's fully verbal now. But the amount of work that went into that, the amount of speech and language therapy, all privately. But we still struggle on a day to day basis. Her anxiety is through the roof. Do you know? It's, and and, and, and I it's had not people saying, "Jesus, you wouldn't know," and I'm like. Well, we worked hard to get there, and she knows. I so know. the people, the people and that say that it is open to abuse, are only saying that because they're looking for visual signs. Well, that's it. Like yeah, okay. you know yourself, Neil. Unless it's like disabilities, they're not always visual. No, but uh, the, you know? unfortunately, there's you know there'll always be a section of society that sees a chink of light, small opportunity. 
you get something for nothing and they're in there you're saying in this case that but is not possible you could ask any parent with a child with any disability and trying to get help and support or even support from social welfare through carers allowance it is an absolute task and anyone that wants to go through all that lying or you know scheming they'd want to get their head checked okay. I don't think anyone in their right mind would do such a thing I know people whose children need support and they refuse to do care alone but you, or anything like that because it is so bloody traumatic they started originally with an email from Boston saying um, I know many families not just in Boston New York Philadelphia all across the west coast and they don't know anybody or any family who has a child with autism or anything like the severe autism that seems to be labelled in Cork I don't go out and about with a sign on my kids' back. How are, how are you to know? Only my close friends and family and like some of the groups we go to, friends with Dean and Podrick, they know. Yeah. But unless like unless we're going around with a sign, not but not you, not Maria, not you, nor Louise, nor any of the other yeah, mams earlier. Yeah, but you can judge someone just by looking at but them. But we can judge. What we what we should judge those that maybe have an opportunity to rip off the system. But I, can, I genuinely can't think okay. that that's possible. Okay, okay, okay. You know, as okay. in to go through all that just to get a measly couple of euros a week. And to be honest, it's hard to live on, especially when you're paying privately for therapy. But what, if there, what if there are people who are, that's supplementing other welfare payments that they're getting and other welfare payments that they're getting. And before you know it, they have a nice tidy pile of cash coming in every week. And they're, I mean, I don't know that it's true. I'm just suggesting that that could be the modus operandi behind it if there are but people doing it. I'm on carers allowance. That's all I'm entitled to. Do you know, so I can't see, like, if I was a lone parent, yes, I'd be entitled to lone parents and half-raised carers. But that's still not... Like, there wouldn't, there wouldn't be anybody out there ripping off the system claiming to have... On a week's holiday. No, but it, it, might, it might if it was open to abuse... And again, I'm reiterating very strongly here, I'm not talking about people who are genuine and need help and are struggling. Of course, that's not what we're talking about. But somebody that might use some sort of a diagnosis to get higher up on a housing list, for instance. That doesn't happen either. Okay. Um, okay. I was literally facing homelessness last year and there's nothing you can do. Okay. It doesn't matter anymore. And people who says it does would want to have a look at the homeless list and see people's actual circumstances okay. they're dire ok alright I'll come back after 11 thank you both for taking the call appreciate your patience text 0868 106 and we'll pick up on texts and calls after 11 new year new number for Neil 0818 Ah, there are some wonderful people walking amongst us and I didn't get this birthday request on time yesterday so my apologies for it. Neil, can you please wish Sister Colette Hickey a very happy 104th birthday for yesterday, the 31st of January, known as Mother Teresa of Cork. She founded Edel House in 1972 and although Colette is originally from Waterford, she's been living in Cork for around 80 years and it's fair to say, as the texter does, that her contribution to the vulnerable in our city is absolutely incredible. So yesterday was the 104th birthday of Sister Colette Hickey, uh, Mother Teresa of Cork, who founded Edel House in 1972. And um, her services are needed now more than ever. But if she hadn't started it, it wouldn't be going from strength to strength. And I see all sorts of extensions being built at Edel House and more construction going on there. She was 104 years old 
yesterday. Lines are open. You can text 0868104106. Karen is standing by. Carol is standing by. We'll get to as many calls as we can. First up, Kevin, good morning. Hi, Neil. Good morning. Uh, you wanted to jump in on this conversation and let, let's try and make sure that people realise that there could be a service done to people. If their system is open to some abuse, we need to have it shut down as opposed to criticising those that actually do need the services and financial help, you know. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I mean, like all, I think every, every system is open to abuse and I can see why people would abuse um, getting trying to get their child diagnosed with autism because it is, it is pretty lucrative. I mean, like, we didn't know at the time uh, what, what, what benefits were there because it, it's not really advertised that well. But um, after my child got diagnosed with autism, um, the guy at work, actually, who, whose child was also diagnosed with autism, got, put me on to Shine in um, Cargline, who um, are uh, a voluntary crowd. And um, a man from Shine called call to my house and he helped me fill out forms we sat down with um, yourself and Helen, I, I assume, is it? Yeah, he yeah. sat down. He spent about two hours in, the, in, in our house and it was, to, it was totally free. He didn't even charge us a thing. He filled out the domiciliary care allowance form and also an incapacitated childcare credit form. And now if you go on to shinearn.com and for slash entitlements, all the things that you're, you, know, you can apply for there. And incapacitated childcare credit is like €3,000 a year um, that, you know... Going forward, you 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 get that off. You know, you can claim that credit, right? Off your tax. That was off your tax, yeah. But that that, check doesn't come in the post. It's against earnings. Yeah, it's against future earnings. But it it was it it can also be backdated four years. So we got a check for like thirteen thirteen and a half thousand um, back, which which we we were shocked. I was shocked. I couldn't believe it because you you can claim. Because you're, you're like he's just he, the, the disability since birth. So yes, yes. You, as far as you can go back, is four years. So, so that we, you, you would have got a rebate from revenue to the value. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I understand. So, yeah. yeah. And also, there's also like you, you get a. But, but, like but a I was reading you've spent over a hundred and forty thousand euro yourself. I, Neil, that, that's a different thing. That that was for surrogacy. That that, that that's. <laughs> Is that all the surrogate? Is that all for the surrogacy? Was one hundred and forty grand? That ended up costing, I'd say, yeah, because we went to the states. Um, wow, man, that's a lot of money, isn't it? But I mean, like our two, our two boys now are seven, seven, like, and they're they're thriving. Oh sure, yeah, so, no, but it's just it's an example of the commitment of what you went through. No, um, you see. Uh, what I'm hearing back this morning is very passionate responses for people who children who, who do genuinely need help and they're saying it is impossible to fiddle a diagnosis. Yeah, but I mean like all systems are open to abuse and I'm sure they are. I'm sure there's some way of abusing the system and, and you know, I mean like you, you hear doctors, um, uh, you know, uh, people getting benefits and doctors are signing off, like for, for you know, for whatever, like you know. So I'm sure, I'm sure there's that would be di- abuse of the disability allowance system. Yeah, yeah, be harder I'm to sure that would be yeah. be harder to, you know, that would be their you know back pain is kind of hard yeah. to diagnose at the best of times, you know, or maybe people could be out with maybe fooling people with depression or whatever. But an autism diagnosis, really? 
Yeah, we, 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 went, we, we actually ended up going through privately ourselves and it cost like 1500 to get the diagnosis privately. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it was just too low. The, the HSC were just way too slow. Um, we wanted our, our lad to get, get as much help as of course. could get. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but are you saying um, that are you saying that people are fooling the system or they could if they wished to fool the system? I mean, do you know? I, I, like, I, I don't know of anyone, but I'm sure, I'm sure it exists. I'm sure there are people out there who, who, who uh, at any chance will fool the system. They, okay. they, they, they've been doing it along, it's been shown along, along with, um, you know, like, um, dole recipients, yeah. get, you know, claiming. Even last week, I read of a case of a Nigerian woman who had two, do- who had a fake identity and, um, her own identity and she's claiming two different loans. I mean, like, it happens, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, two different identities and two different yeah. claims on each of the two identities, is it? Yeah, she, yeah. she got two years there. Um, in, um, she got, she got done for two years. Okay, okay. But I mean, I, all systems are open to abuse, so I'm sure, I'm sure I know the best intentions of the world. That, that it is, I, I, I can, I, I, I can understand how. Um, you could get a diagnosis for your your child for autism, but I'm sure it is possible. I'm sure. I'm sure people will abuse anything if they can. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. All right. Thank you for that, Kevin. Regards to you, um, Carol. Standing by, Carol. Good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? Um, I'm. I mean, kind of in a difficult situation because I understand that that there are so many people genuinely crying out for help, but then there's this niggling side of this discussion that. You know, with everything, you know, and the way we are now that, you know, a lot of people can get diagnoses for different things and disabilities and stuff like that that are entitled to. And there's a worry from people that this system is being abused. Absolutely. You know. But look, Neil, I suppose the harsh reality and look, did the call this morning strike a chord with me 100%. Look, Neil, like so many other families and parents that have, that have rang in over the last couple of weeks. I too am a carer. I have two sons. My eldest will be seven in May. He has a diagnosis of autism and ADHD. Now, Neil, I'm extremely lucky that he's in a fantastic unit in presentation and for my... But I think what struck a chord with me, Neil, if I'm being honest, is it's the whole DCA and carers crack. Like, Neil, I'd love nothing more to be working in a five job. The job I do at home, Neil, it's not easy. You know, Kieran Fionn's dad, he, he's an amazing man. He works all the hours that he could possibly can, Neil, to provide for us. I can't do that, Neil. I cannot get anyone to look after Fionn. I can't put him into an after-school programme because of his complex needs, so I yeah. need to be at home. Yeah. And unfortunately, Neil, my hours, along with so many other parents, our hours aren't nine to five, Neil. It's, it's 24 hours a day. Yeah. So, Neil... If people think we're national, not you. No, no, not you. No, no, not you. I mean, you're no, go, just, if I'm I have to repeat this over and over general. again, I will. But what if you what? have a dosser? What if your dosser with a diagnosis who literally has a child? There's nothing wrong with that, them. That's the part that's confusing me, Neil. And I'll be honest. So, a diagnosis and assessment aren't made by one person. It's not made solely by a psychologist. It's made by a multidisciplinary teams. So, Neil, that consists of your psychologist, your speech and language therapist, your occupational therapist, maybe a play therapist. Uh, maybe your local welfare doctor. Like Neil, I remember going back three years ago when Fionn was going through the St. Joseph's assessments. You know, they don't send every child straight to St. Joseph's. They meet at a monthly forum where all these professionals are there and they make the decision, does your child need early intervention services um, such as St. Joseph's or do you need to go down to speech and language therapy route or is it just OT issues? So Neil, look, like everyone else, look, Fionn maybe fell through the cracks, I suppose, of the system. We had to travel to Dublin, would you believe, to get Fionn privately assessed? Now, look, Neil, 
it's money that we didn't have, but at the same time, Fiona was assessed in July, and we were extremely fortunate to get Fiona into school place in the September. But Neil, just to touch off as well, and look, I, I understand Neil that you have so many callers coming in. Now I have, and I, I, if you could just bear with me for a second, please. I, as I said previously, I'm, I'm extremely lucky that Fiona's in a unit, but I have a great friend, Neil. She has three children, three different disabilities, but she has one son. Neil, he's, he's in a mainstream school. Neil, she's in receipt of ECFR, but Neil, she's, she's very upset by the comments that came in this morning. Her son like that is on autism spectrum, Neil, but he masks, he masks this incredibly well. Mm. He, he, I, I could meet him on the street and, and he could talk to me, he, he could hold a conversation in his own way, but Neil, he's a different child at home. Yeah. At, at home, Neil, it's his comfort zone, he, that, he lashes out, that's where they have the trouble with him. Now, Neil, obviously, like, you know, they've done serious, intense uh, therapies with him privately, I suppose, Neil, to get him prepped as much as they possibly could for, for a mainstream. And, like, you know, she's not complaining because, uh, like, she, she's... But, she's sure, but sure, I know, that. I know that. And there you have, again, here's another label for you, a genuine case. But this is it, Neil. Of what? And, look, you know what? It, it's the old thing, do... Neil. I feel like we're all being painted with the same brush. And it's not the case. Neil, you know... It's, we get three hundred nine fifty a week. That's what, or sorry, a month. That's what the domiciliary care allowance is. And look, Neil, touching back on Dorvalis phone calls last week, you know, the services are not there. So if I did not have DCA once a month, Neil, how would Sean get his speech and language therapy, his occupational therapy? Sean is also doing um, equine therapy as well. So he goes horse riding. And Neil, these are all so beneficial to Sean, and we can see the improvements from him yeah. through all these therapies. But Neil, if I did not have DCA, my son would not be where he is today, Neil. And I think that's what's very sad. Are they actually depriving? Neil, I don't pocket this. Is that no, I know that, but there, is somebody who says that they know categorically that the system is being fiddled by some, not doing you a favour, um, because those in authority should know that the system is being fiddled by some. Oh, Neil, I understand that as well. But I, and it I, needs I to be stamped out. Me, I remember when I sent off I, my, my carers farms were originally going back was three years ago I think it was a 19 week turnaround that's how long it takes farms to process yeah. I think the DCA farms were Neil don't quote me but it was give or take six months a couple of weeks of either side yeah. now again Neil these aren't decided just by one deciding officer it, it's decided again Neil by multiple people so you know, like I remember Susan was on this morning and she was saying the broad spectrum of autism alone. It can be, you can be the mildest of the mild, but you can be severe of the severe. But you, and just but, because you're mild, you know. But, and why, why, no, but I'm just curious because if I was on the air 20 or 30 years ago, which I was, why wasn't I having the conversations then that I'm having now um, with regards to what a, what, a, what a listener in Boston describes as an epidemic of autism in Ireland? See, that's right. To answer it as best as I can, Neil, I think the reason so many children are being diagnosed with the last, with even, with even 10 years, it's because of the awareness that's there, Neil. Mm-hmm. People are so much more aware of, you Neil, know, I can speak for autism because that's all I know disability one of, the, one of the answers I could give to myself is that 30 years ago, the kids were in full-time, 100% cruel institutional care. That could be but one Neil, of this, do you know what, Neil, this is exactly it. Like, St. Stephen's, Neil, only up the road, they had they had a unit for people that would have been past Neil back in the those those days was as, as being severely disabled. But Neil, if you were to get if you were to look back and even have a chat with those families, they'd probably say, Do you know what? Jesus, Mary and John could have actually been on the spectrum. But Neil, I think yeah. when a child can't communicate and as you said, going Neil, going back thirty years ago, there were classes being some something wrong with them. But Neil, that's not the case at all. You only need Neil help, support and love. But Neil and I, I don't mean to sound dramatic for a second, but the DCA Neil 
helps me to help him get the services that he's not what he needs, but he deserves you see, You know what I mean? You, you, you don't have to make excuses. But me, that's, that's what I feel like I'm doing. I feel like I'm having to justify why me I applied for care as why I applied for DCA. And I said me a while ago, I just feel like we're all being tarnished. Look, if, if that man knows me and Johnny over the road that he thinks they're scamming the system, do you know, that, that's not on us, but me, I just came, I thought he came across as being fierce ignorant. Well, okay. I mean, that's my opinion, okay. you know. You know, he's not alone. Here's, here's another one. Listening to show there Perfect. on the autism spectrum conversation, the two previous ladies speaking just now, I understand that you can, I, I understand that you can't fake autism. That is completely true, but it is open to abuse. There's always going to be people out there to fraud. John's argument was saying that there are certain milder aspects of the spectrum that people may try to cheat the system. Uh, people need to open their eyes as it is going on. Again, Neil, look, I don't know. Like to me, Neil, and, and I'm being honest. You know, it's once you need me filling out buckets upon buckets of paperwork for this, paperwork for that. But Neil, they also, they also see the child. They also assess the child. Neil, face to face. Yeah, I mean, you, like one, I think so, I know it, it takes you a know? long time, and there's a lot to go through. It, this is, it. is is this a, is look, this a Neil, case of I heard it from a fella in the pub? You know? Exactly, exactly. You know what I mean? And look, Neil, just before I go, and look, I, I know that, look, I'm, I'm coming across as quite passionate as every other parent that is coming on. But look, Neil, I just want to personally thank you for bringing so much awareness to autism, the services and schooling over the last week or 10 days. Um, okay. It's definitely getting people talking, Neil. And look, I just want to appreciate, I just want to thank you and, appre- and just okay. want to say I do appreciate um, all, all the right. phone calls that you are taking. I know we're taking up a lot of your time. That's not, it's not taking my time at all. No, Jesus, it's, it's a pleasure to be able to have conversations with people who share their life stories. Sad it's and great, difficult as they are. Have, it's great to have that here. And, um, okay, thank you very Carol. much. Take care. All the best. Thank you. Bye, 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 Carol. You're lovely. Karen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are uh, you? Is John having a laugh or what, you say? <clears throat> yeah, like, um, look, again, I just like to, I'm actually Carol's partner there, you were laughing. Good man, good man, good man. <laughs> um, no, it's just, I look, again, I, I just echo what Carol said, look, thank you so much um, for shedding light on, on our, our lives, I suppose, is what I'd say. Um, like, I, I was just baffled with, with John there, like, um, I, I just struggled to see where... Like, I I see roughly where he's coming from because he's saying, look, he probably... He's saying everything's open to abuse. Yeah, I I would completely disagree. Like, we went through the whole process. Um, Like, you need... There was a a video went up there before Christmas. Yeah. Some fella... You know, I heard it in a pub, but this actually was in a pub. I don't know, did you see it or not? Do you remember that video? There was this fella inside in the pub and the barman was filming him with his mobile phone down low. Yes. Your man never worked a day in his life and it was the lead up to Christmas and the barman was asking him, you know, how much is coming in now? And your man said, well, the wife just got a 700 euro payment for fuel and we got the, yes. we yes. got the, we yeah. get the dole and she's on the dole and we both got a double bonus for Christmas. So yeah. he was yeah. saying that, well, that that week alone, I think it was something like, I don't know, it was something like two grand yeah. <laughs> came on. <laughs> I, I know hit the I mat know, in the like, front in the in the front hall or something, yeah, and he's inside. Yeah. And he's inside in the morning, and he coughs and pints the stout. You know, I know. And look, it, it's that's diabolical. Like to be fair, but I'm like 
I think people are under depression. Like, obviously, those who who would have children on the spectrum have all been through this, you know. Those who are entitled to get something, as in carers, um, it's it's mean tested down to the last euro. Like, they literally look through everything that comes into the house, all all the incomings. Um, like the issue he was saying with is it was being played I can't see how it's been played because like you need so many um, correspondence from consultants from we say reports from we say if they're in education yes. setting yeah, you, have um, to go through. you say it's a horrendous experience because uh, they pick apart your little baby's life yeah like everything has to be look it, it, it was hor- horrible um, yeah Look, uh, even looking back on it now, it's it's fairly tough to even think about. But like, we we were in a position where look, you have to do it. Like, we needed help from family members as well because sometimes you're just so drained from writing down all the negative stuff. Wash, like our son is Fionn. Um, he's absolutely fabulous. Um. But, like, you have to literally say, he can't do this, he can't do that, he struggles with this. And you he, see, you almost feel as if it's a criticism of the lad, of course. And all it, is, it goes against every fibre of your being as a parent, you know. You want to be their protector, you want to be the you one that makes them happy. You want to accentuate the positive as opposed to making exactly. up the negatives, yeah. Exactly, Trying but, like, I just think where John was coming in there was that people are abusing the system. Like, you can... We say physically you could have lads there that maybe have a neck injury or back injury they can put that on because look uh, I suppose you can't rule it in or out yeah and, um, and of course way. people do but that like, right they do but like with this you need all the reports you need everything like if a child is it's struggling with is it airtight it's airtight it is it, it, it has to be because look at the end of the day we need services for our children. They're very hard to come by, but when they but then come Then you around, wonder what happened down in South Kerry then with this junior doctor and he diagnosing all of these 14-year-olds completely wrong. Yeah. And them all sorts yeah. of medication well, they should never have been on. A hundred percent. Like, I think that just shows up the shortcomings of the system. Like, there's obviously people that are, are being asked to do jobs that they're obviously not qualified for. I, I would... Mm-hmm. gather from that situation they're probably in over their head they're probably being asked to do two or three jobs I think a lot of it especially with the public sector is that like there's a serious lack of um, you have uh, just you, you could have doctors certainly in the trainee years of their yes. Um, yes, internship 100%. they do 24 yeah. hour shifts yeah might, yeah. They might like, snatch an hour here and there, but who can concentrate and diagnose properly? Exactly. Exactly. Like, I think a lot of people, and it's come, like, in fairness now, from even from listening to to yourself and your programme, it's coming to light that people on the outside of, we'll say, our little world are realising, like, they say the system is broken. At the moment, there, there is no system. Like, it's it's literally... You're being put from one waiting list to another. It's all about waiting. Like, children are, are losing school places they're, because 
there is in places. There is in places. With, uh, yeah. In secondary school to go to, like, but, uh, like, just coming back to... That's why I wonder, do we need all of these flyovers, you know what I mean? Do we need, uh, can we not park well, all of that stuff that's important, but not as important? Yeah. Look, I suppose a case can be made for everything, like this, this subject, the autism, the disability, additional needs, like, this is our passion. Like we we need to highlight this because it's okay. It's coming to a point now where we're kind of we're like going again was getting caught between two stools. He was so long waiting on a waiting list, and we 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 kind of realised look, um, like we needed to take a loan from family member in order to get him a diagnosis. We had to travel to Dublin. We we got the diagnosis and like it's only with that diagnosis that you can enter yes. the services. Yes. Like yes. in fairness, we we had we had done as much speech and language as we possibly can um, in the previous time, but unfortunately that will only go so far yes. because they have nothing to work off of. Like you know, you need to have a certain plan for each individual child. So as I said, it's just coming back to that point that. John made again like it's mm. it, it angers me that people would think like that because as a number not of having callers, a go. not having a go at you nor Carol nor, I, nor Sharon I, or I, I know but like again it's that as you said it was like you know that lad there that was getting all this money for this that and the other but like Sean sometimes he would like you know we, we try to make him um say not make him sorry that's the wrong term but like we try to give him um everything you know that he needs in order you know the social side going in doing the shopping the likes of that kind of encouragement making that normal because there was a time when he when he became upset because it was a bit of an overload but it was a case of just easing him into it gradually and, and making sure that look down the line, do you ever you know, find that other parents or adults kind of look on with a kind of a disdaining okay, yeah. look or yeah. a judgmental look? Yeah, and it it has happened. It has happened. Like you know, we we we'd be shopping in our local town or whatever, and like, look, this is going back a, a couple of years now. Um, you would like obviously, Sean wouldn't be wouldn't. Um, wouldn't be happy with maybe there would have been too much going on yeah, in the shop and yeah. might have been very loud or might be or, sound you know. or light or movement yeah, kick and him off, yeah. like how he used to how he used to kind of react to that was he'd just get upset very upset and literally try and try and get out of that situation as best we could um but like you would you get the looks and unfortunately it is fairly disheartening but look i think with with all the the publicity that your show and all the callers have brought to it, I think hopefully people will understand. Like it's it's crucial that look it 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 costs nothing to just maybe be nice rather yes. than passing a, a comment which can be fairly or a dirty look. Yeah. So then yeah, actually, would like, they actually say have said something? Um. Ye, well, look. They would have under their breath kind of stuff. Or well, you you would hear it. You'd say, "My God, you know." Let's say, "Look, do you think they control?" Yes, that boy I know exactly. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. You know, but look, I I'm not going to say. Right. Like in fairness, the people the people around um, 
our community in Castellines, um, especially like I'm involved with the Friends of Dean and Padre group as well. And look, it's that's the positive side. Everyone is, is has been brilliant, but I just I just hope that um, people like John would probably have a, have a think and say, look. They had heard this, that, or the other, but as a lot of the previous callers had said, like sometimes autism can be hidden. You know, no, the no. child okay. might have okay. um, sensory issues that wouldn't, uh, to an outsider, look like anything major. But at home, it's completely different. So, okay. Okay. As All right. Says, look, and look, thank you so much. Nice for, to talking to you, Karen. Take everything. care. All Cheers. the best. Cheers. Take care. Back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Okay, I'll come back to calls in a few minutes. I hope everybody can wait. Just give me about two or three minutes because on Instagram I was inviting people who started their own business or struck out on their own to give me a shout on my Instagram page because uh, I was saying that people were using, um, you know, I suppose they were reassessing their lives during COVID and the pandemic and they want change. I'll be talking some more about this tomorrow with uh, with Ashling Holly, but um, Lincoln Healthcare got in touch. We're big fans of your show here at, at Lincoln Healthcare. We heard you mention that you were willing to mention any new businesses looking for a shout out to send you a message. We are a new healthcare recruitment company. At the moment, we're seeking a recruitment consultant to join the Cork team. We've partnered with a number of residential care homes around the country who are unable to open on account of not having enough residential social care workers, home managers, deputy home managers to run the places. I know it's so sad as these are new purpose-built homes for vulnerable children just sitting there empty. If there's any way you could mention this plight, we'd be enormously grateful too. Thank you in advance, says Gail. So that actually takes some of the boxes with regards to what I'm talking about this morning. New residential care homes around the country that can't open because they don't have staff. Residential care social workers, home managers, deputy home managers to run the place. See? Anyway, if you are in that career path, on that career path, get in touch with Lincoln Lincoln Healthcare. You'll find them on Instagram. Another one here now is the personal stylist and wardrobe detoxer, Linda, who opened up her own business. I'd appreciate if you give my new declutter wardrobe and personal stylist business a mention, please. That's Linda de Blasi. Would love if someone, if you could share. Um, actually, I had a look at your, at your showreel, Linda. You do fantastic work. I might try and get Linda on the air, actually. She'll come into the house. God knows I need... Oh, did I tell you? The new robes are coming next week. I'm going to tell you more about that tomorrow. They're all being built at the moment up on the north side. Can't wait. Give you a great opportunity now for me to get rid of all of those jumpers and those trousers and those shorts and all of those shoes that I've been gathering for the past 30 years. So good for you. Uh, Sarah says, listening to um, your program. Um, actually, actually, this is a, an interesting one because this has to do with uh, autism. It also came in through my my Instagram page. So I'll come back in a few minutes. Another one here. Happy Turf Van Life is another company. We started our new business during the pandemic. We sell camper van parts. Give us a mention. Our Instagram page is Happy Turf underscore Van Life. We share our travels in our own camper van too. That's another company for you that opened during lockdown. Happy Turf Van Life. Um, and another company called Powerboat Cork. We started a powerboat school last year in Baltimore. We had such a good season and the fantastic weather that we decided to start a second location in Monkstown this year. Anybody want to do a powerboating course? Like, for instance, if you want to get to be able to handle a rib, powerboat cork. And another one. We opened our new business on August 21st of last year in the Marina Market. It's called Nua 
Asordor. Bet you I'm pronouncing that wrong. It's basically cooking Tom Durkin meats and steaks on a wood fire grill. Our business partner is Victor Franca, the ex-head chef from Cask. We have already won a Bloss Neheron Award for our chimichurri sauce. Well done, Yvonne. Yvonne Durkin got in touch. So next time you're down the Marina Market, check out Nua Asador, I think is the correct pronunciation. Nua Asador. And a final one. Just a final one. Thanks for the great opportunity to give new businesses a shout out. We are two mental health nurses with a postgrad specializing in addiction counseling and cognitive behavioral therapy. We set up the new practice in January of this year. It's called Churchview Psychotherapy based in Mill Street Town. We work evenings and weekends. We work with addictions, anxiety, depression, stress and worry. We'd appreciate a shout out, says Alice O'Brien and Sharon Bailey. Their new business is um, in addiction counseling and cognitive therapy. And it's called Church View Psychotherapy. You'll also find them on Instagram. That's just a few. I'll jump into some more of them humbly before quitting time and tell you more stories of new businesses again tomorrow. Um, Donald is standing by. First up, Brida, good morning. Hi, Neil. I don't want anybody to see this as any kind of a criticism to those families that are rearing their children and looking for much-needed help. This isn't what... um, John was even talking about this morning. He's saying that systems are open to abuse. Anyway, what have you got to share? I just wanted to share that my son is 40 years of age now, uh, will be in this year. And he was diagnosed with autism um, 39 years ago. 39. And he got meningitis um, when he was born, when he was 24 hours old. Right. And they said I was the carrier. So. That put that on me for the for my lifetime, and they said to leave a mark on Brian. You know, he was he thought we thought he'd die, but obviously he he held on. And was um, that a di- has that been a very difficult cross for you to carry? You say, oh, of course it was. Like you know, because I mean, you're I, saying that they 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 made you feel responsible. Oh, they did. They said I was. They said I could have passed someone on the street and picked it up from them, and that's what I was left to carry, you know, and then I had to had my son and like, you know, um I, I thought he'd be okay. Uh, you know, he survived the meningitis, but they said it would leave a mark. And um and then you know, long ago you'd put the pram on, on under the apple tree and you put the little ducks across. Yes. <laughs> I have a picture he, now of a big blue pram in our back garden with massive wheels and springs on it. Yeah. <laughs> well yeah. You said, do that, and he'd scream and scream and scream. And I used to be saying to my late mother, I used to be saying to him, you know, Mammy, there's something wrong with him. And she was saying, no, no, you watch him too much, you watch him too much, you know. But at 12 months, I said it to my sister-in-law, and she said, I think you're right, Breda. So she and I went around to different places, and by the time he was the nearly a year and a half, he was going to a little place there down the Keys. I'm sure to St. John's ambulances now. And there was six, six autistic children and two, two um, carers. And he'd go in there four mornings a week and we go down to his brother's a charity swimming on a Friday. Mm, mm. And how is he now? Because I hear tell that he paddles his own oh, canoe, does he? He's yeah, working yeah, away. And, and all down to the Brothers of Charity. And what, 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 what are his issues? Is it hearing or lack of? Lack of. He's profoundly deaf now okay. as the years have gone on. Like. Okay. And 
the autism like would still show its ugly head, you know. Um, things change, not wanting to be in company, always on his own, you know. Uh, always, uh, He's always different, yes, you know. Yes. Can get very cross, can be very, very cross. Uh, awful time now in the lockdown with him. Um, but... Um, you know, overall, like, you know, when I when I look back, it was a very tough, hard uh, t- uh, years, like, trying to get him, like, he was going to Skull Trieste. I, we took him out of Skull Trieste, put him into the school for the deaf. They fought over that because they didn't want to take him. Oh, you know, everybody... You had to fight for everything. Yeah. And tell me, everything. what does he work at? He, he now works with the um, Rehab Recycling on the Monaghan Road. <laughs> and he's been there about... 12, this is his 13th year, I think. Right. And they're absolutely fantastic to him. And there's other lads like him there. I'd say they are, but I'd say he's a hard worker. A great worker. He (laughs) loves working in his own things now, like he can have a flare-up. And have you looked after yourself over all those years? Well, I suppose, you see, there was a lot of blame on me, you know? There was a lot of blame went into me, and I didn't realise it for a long time. And it took a lot of Different things happened in my life, and uh, but now, now I've, I've gone through all of that, and I've come out the other side, yeah. and now I'm there for him, and yeah. his dad is there for him. His brothers and or his brother and his sisters are great to him. Yeah, you know they'll take him for weekends, and they'll take him to anywhere they, he wants to go. His sister works in the Brothers of Charity and has for the last twenty odd years, and you know, so I mean, I'm and does he love his mum and realise what his mum and dad did and the thought they put oh, up he for does, him? Yeah, he calls me Mida, Mida. Mida. You know, me, and uh, you know, but like I, when I hear all this going on at the moment, like there were six of us, like six mothers inside in this little room. No, but for I know that, but for genuine families, um, and I don't want to upset anybody. For genuine families, yes. people are telling me that there could be a little investigation that's needed into a system that could be open to abuse. That's all. Oh, it could that's be. All. I, I'm not sure whether it could or not. No, nor, nor do I. But. Yeah, I was just getting across that I have this handsome man that I love the bones of for <laughs> the last 40 years. <laughs> Lovely. I, I can't say I'd live it all again, Neil. I can't say I'd live it all again. But right now, it's, I'm happy out. I'm right, looking forward to That's a but lovely way to end the conversation. Thanks, Brida. And yeah. when is his 40th? Is it coming up? It's on the 18th of October, yeah. So <laughs> we're getting all geared up now to go somewhere. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, listen, yeah. that's great. Look after yourself. Cheers. So thanks a million. Take care. Donald, good morning. How are you doing? I'm good. Um, My God, you have a busy program. <laughs> Yeah, I was about trying Thank to keep God it balanced. It's just trying to I keep. Want it. To I'm, sens- I'm sensitive to people. Yeah, I'm just sensitive to people's, you know, emotions really on on this topic. You know, I don't want to be upset. Well, it is, it is. It is. It is a sad issue, an unfortunate issue, and it is an issue that should not be tolerated in this country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because but, uh, we were subjugated for 800 years, and it is beyond me how we still are. Oh, we're being it's subjugated really, by our, really sorry. We're being subjugated now by our own, not another power, another invading power. For yes, instance. yeah. And uh, you know, in, uh, I mean, like the Department of Health apparently has a budget of twenty-two billion euro. Yeah, the I think. Current, I think. Yes. I think the health and welfare budget accounts for. Something like, I'm open to correction, I think it's probably 96% of the public purse. I think it's something, something, something a massive number like that anyway. 
Now, apparently, I, I, I'm open to correction and all this. The current Minister for Health is in the Middle East with his secretary, the Lord Robert Watt. They're in Dubai, I think, at a wellness conference. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that is infuriating. Yeah. Yeah. And you have children I and saw families. a programme on television the other night of a girl suffering from spina bifida. And a parent, I'd say she was probably six or seven. And that girl broke down crying. Mm. Mm. Now, I'd like to know. You see, the thing about religion, I, I've heard of a sort of radicalism one time. Do you remember a guy called Vincent Brown? Of course. Who, Fine journalist, who, broadcaster, who, magazine, yeah, yeah, well, newspaper. He right really on. knew how to rock the boat. He's still rocking the boat he, on Twitter, incidentally. Yeah, well, well, no, he is. Whatever. He's still doing his thing. He's still as passionate as ever. You know, the thing about it is, you know, it is, it is all right. It is all very fine to have a man called Mial Martin as Trishuk. <laughs> born in Cork. Yeah. But yeah. Lord God, these people are getting away with murder. Do you think we have a weak media then? I think you have, actually, yes. Yeah. As of it- course, there's so, many, there's so many libel laws for this, that and everything. And I think he should get it. I mean, when that guy comes back from the Middle East, Mr. What? I think he should be cornered by the media. Actually cornered by them. You see, the thing about it is that civil servants are the faceless people of this country. Yet they are the most powerful. I'm, perhaps you might agree with well, me. But whether here. you like it or not, it's the civil service. Keep the, keep the, um, the wheels turning in this the country. Wheels, Politicians well, come and are, go. The public sector yeah, yeah, are there. Well, by God, there are some wheels, aren't they, at the moment? Well, I mean, maybe some of them are freeloaders and others might be overpaid. But the vast majority of public sector workers go to work every day, keep the lights on in Ireland. Yeah. They do. Well, maybe they might. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, the thing about it, maybe nor, 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 do the hard, nor do the hardworking civil servants actually make any decisions themselves. You see, they don't. It's a bit like well, people criticise people criticise the guards, right? But there's no guard on the beat making the call as to what he or she is doing. There's an order of responsibility above them and above them and above them. The chain them. of command. That's the, the term. Well command. said, yeah. The chain of command, yeah. Yeah. You know, but the thing about it is the day will come, I'd say, like, you know, that was, that was, that was frightening what I saw on television the other night, that child crying. There you have it. Thanks, Donald. Look after yourself. Listening to and decided, actually, listening to your conversation, this is from my Instagram page, listening to and decided that I should maybe drop you a line. I feel like your callers are talking about my life story. My son is 10 can no longer attend school. His anxiety levels and anger issues have escalated so bad. He gets home tuition at the moment, 10 hours a week, which the government do not want you to have, and they make it so hard to get. There is zero help from the government. I was actually apologised to from a member of his previous team saying, sorry, he slipped through the cracks. He never got the services. This new model they've come up with basically is teaching the parents now how to give therapies to their kids. I can tell you we as parents are absolutely exhausted and now we need to do therapy to our kids where we're not qualified to do so. Hope all this makes sense. Please don't give out my details. There needs to be a huge change in our services for our kids as they will have zero quality life if something doesn't change. And that came in to my own Instagram. Okay, come back after the break. Calling Red FM Studio. Call the new number. 0818 104 106. 
Uh, Seamus was out around the streets of Cork yesterday talking to people because the Russians are coming on Thursday. They'll be a little bit further off the West Cork coast, don't get me wrong, but they're coming nonetheless. If I get an opportunity to play this side of uh, midday, I certainly will. But uh, all of the business, actually, and I know there are a lot, a lot of texts on this morning. I'll pick up on all of those tomorrow. I'm not going anywhere unless I'm hit by a bus. I'm going for a cycle later, so I'll stay in the cycle lanes. Marika, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I got a lovely email from you. Um, are you in the UK? Yes, I am, Neil. Yes, I was oh. born here. Okay. I'm an Irish mum and Ukrainian father. An Irish mammy and a Ukrainian daddy. And you say that both of our countries, because you guys are on a bit of alert in the Ukraine at the moment, you say that our country and your country have a lot of similarities. I think so, because the Irish side of me... Uh, feels quite strongly about the situation in Ireland and the Ukrainian part of me feels very strongly about the situation over there and I would say that both countries have a similar history of um, occupying forces, languages and religion and ways of life being tampered with and attacked and um, I think, yes, I think there are similarities between both countries, Neil. I know that um, Russia's got its eyes on the Ukraine again. You've got oil and gas resources there, don't you? I know that that Hitler was very touchy-feely about the Ukraine and much of the Second World War begun because of of that and trying to... He ended up fighting Russia on the Eastern Front because of the Ukraine, didn't he? Am I right there? Yes, you are, Neil. Yes, actually, the reason my father left Ukraine was not through choice. He was actually taken by the Nazis. He was political. He wasn't Jewish. He was political. And himself and several of his cousins ended up in concentration camps, Mm. the first one being Auschwitz. Your dad? Yes. Really? Did he survive Auschwitz? He he did. He he came over here to England. He met my mum. She came over from uh, RD in County Louth to do nurse training and uh, they met at a party somewhere and that, that was it. A lot of people who came through the tortures um, of the concentration camps never spoke about it, did he? Um, he did towards the latter part of his life. Uh, there were things that he couldn't talk about and it would take him to be, he'd have to be in the mood for talking about it. Misfortune. I know. I understand some of the similarities because I might just my brain is taking overtime listening to there because we had our own concentration camps and our own. It wasn't really. Yeah. It should never really have been called a famine in the first place. It was. It was. It was genocide. To be quite honest, with you, wasn't it? Absolutely, Neil. I could because there was more. because there was plenty here at the time, but people were still starving. You know, there was plenty, and it was being shipped over here to England. Mm. Mm. Yes. So. It was the same as Ukraine and the man-made famine over there as well. I know the Irish famine was not exactly man-made, but more help should have been given to Irish people. But the same in Ukraine, 32 to 33, with a famine where up to 10 million people, I think, uh, died through starvation. So the two countries do share a history, I think. You prefer to use the correct term for the, the, the country that we're speaking of as Ukraine as opposed to the Ukraine. I do, Neil, because that was brought about by some czar somewhere in history who downgraded Ukraine 
by saying the Ukraine, it made it feel as if it was an area a of, region of Russia. The Ukraine yeah. would be a region. Ukraine would be a country. And do you think that, I mean, we do talk a lot about Ukraine here at the moment. And of course, we understand what's going on on the borders and the possible invasion and of course, we got the Russian Navy coming over here. So it, it's it's front and center. You you get a lot of comfort from that, do you? Um, I've, I've, I listen to a lot of the Irish shows, yours included, and I've got to say, in most all of them, I think the Irish people have come out with really fair viewpoints. I mean, I have... I have de- disagreements with certain callers on shows, mm. um, but I think the Irish people have... I think they've come out in sympathy with Ukraine. Mm. I think they understand the whole situation. There's nowhere in the world where a country is going to be bordered all the way around by troops without the the country do, doing the uh, troops uh, has no intention of invading. Why else are they there? They are, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, because they've got ships in the Crimea. They've got troops in Belarus. They've got troops all around the eastern border of Ukraine. I think if they don't invade now, they will make an attempt to invade at some point. But the Russian mind is a mind that you have to be 10 steps ahead. Well, can I just, yeah, can I just say, because I'm going to run out of time, but um, we, we resonate with situations like Ukraine, just like we do with uh, Palestinians, just like we did and still do to a large extent. But I, I recall in the 80s with uh, apartheid in South Africa, I, I, Irish people understand a lot of that kind of oppression, having gone through it. It's in our DNA and our psyche. We, we tend to side with the underdog and the oppressed, you know, and, and rightly so. Yeah. You know, we, yeah. we get that, yeah. like, we get it. I, I, I do agree with that, and I think that's part of the reason why I've been hearing Irish people speak um, so sympathetically towards Ukraine. Mm. I mm. think, as you say, it's in your DNA, it's in mine as well. Yeah. Um, yes, yes. Listen, glad to have you on board. Thanks for listening, and do stay in touch, Marika, okay? Yes, I will do, Neil, and it's so, so nice to be able to speak to you, and right. th- thank you so much. Not at all. Thank Take you. care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Thank you as well. Thank we you. have a Vox from uh, the streets of Cork that uh, Seamus did yesterday afternoon. Unfortunately, time is against me. We'll pick up on that and lots more besides in the morning. Neil Prendeville, the voice of Cork, weekdays 9 to 12, Cork's Red FM.